Synchronization. Synchronization. Bam. Bam. Monkeys. Here I am with Colton Shaw, the drummer of Abandoned Army. Check it out! <gasps> Intense reality! Wow, He's the drummer! Even though I didn't play on the recording. That's okay. <laughs> you still learned these songs and now I probably play them than I ever did. 99.5% of them. Yes. Almost to a T. Yeah, no, that here was, we are. That was a while ago. That was we, a while we ago. We were just telling the story. I was just going over the story of how yes. we first Before met. you hit record, how... It was right after this album came out. I was I going to the music store. Yeah. I was buying strings and guitar picks. And I was buying sticks. Oh, and a, and a tuning pedal, I think. I don't know. There's some shit I wasn't going to get. You were in the market for some shit. Yeah, so, some gear. And anyways, I walk in the door and I see Derek Shaw, who's there. He's, I'm just standing there, so I'm like, Oh, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> do you like punk rock? <laughs> like, yeah, of course I like punk rock. He's like, oh, cool, I'm in the band. Do you play any music? Like, you play? He's like, yeah, I play guitar. I was like, oh, cool, we're looking for a drummer. Do you know any drummers? And he's like, my brother plays the drums. Yeah, yeah. He's so, just over there. You were like, in the bathroom. I was, and yeah, no, okay, so for the folks who don't know, and uh, you're recording, right? Okay, yes. I, I see a red, red light. Red light. Okay. Red light. <laughs> red, red light's all around. Okay. Okay. Um, so. For the people who don't know what the hell we're talking about, I joined roughly two years ago. Um, we met in the guitar store that you were talking about, uh, Days Music. It's Days there. Music now. It was Music Center at the time. It was Music Center at the time, yeah. Um, downtown so, Music Store. So there I am. I'm in the market for some drumsticks or whatever the hell I was getting. I can't, can't remember. But um, so I'm like, you know what? I should just like chill for a second or whatever, I think I had to use the bathroom. So I'm in there taking a shit and then uh, come back out and all I hear across the room was, yeah, my brother plays drums, he's, he's hanging on over there. I'm just like, what the hell is he getting me into now? And so all I see is this slender looking mother over here and whatnot. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And so I, I didn't know him at the time, so I'm very skeptical. <laughs> and I played, keep in mind, I'm fresh out of the bar scene. I, I'm used to playing with just cheap musicians, wannabes and the whole works and people who just treat everyone around like absolute crap, right? So, I mean, that's like the dingy bar scene and whatnot. Not all of them are bad, but I mean, no, they're. There's, there's enough bad ones. There's, there's, there's enough bad ones in there to make it not really enjoyable. So, I'm used to the greasy bar musician scene and I'm like, oh no, here's another one of these guys, right? No, far from it. Um, so, I'm like, Same okay. Songs. He's like, I think I could do and, this. And so, like, he shows me um, uh, Break of Dawn and uh, a couple other ones, I think. and. Uh, I'm like, oh, these guys actually. The, some of them I, 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 was, I think there was some. I was like showing off my drumming on this album. I was like, can you play ringtone? Can I, you play It's Your yeah, Choice? So. Can you play Real Estate? <laughs> so, yeah, no, he shows me a few of them, and I'm like, oh, like. And so, what really drafts me was uh, The Break of Dawn Riff. And so, because it was groovy, it's like simple, it's just, it's all there. And so I'm like, okay, interesting. This guy can actually play. <laughs> this guy can actually play. I'm like, holy shit. All right, cool. Sign me up. And so uh, later that day, I think we all went for wings somewhere. Yeah, and, we went for wings eventually. It was like, I think it was like a few days later or whatnot. And so the first time I actually met Mike, I had the worst cold of my life. And that was the last time I, I ever had a cold. I don't remember that. And so I hit it very well. <laughs> so I was, I'm like, oh God, you know, I'm like half dead over here. And so I'm like, now I got to meet this new guy. And I don't even know if he's going to. I don't even know if he can sing at this time, so I'm still very skeptical. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so finally I see him hop up on the, I think it was, they had karaoke going on or something like that. I, I don't know. It was at, was at uh, Burgundy's. Yeah, there was, we so, went to Burgundy's for karaoke like one time. I think, I think it was one. It was Wings and Karaoke. Yeah, and so that, I think that's I where I said yeah. where Mike could actually hop up on stage and actually you know, hold his own, right? I thought that was after we practiced. Was that after? Because the very first time we ever played together, Maybe that was the first time we met. I don't know. I, th like, I think, I think it was either it was like a day or two later or something like that. From then on, like hmm. where hey, I thought know, that was after, but fuck, my I, brain's I, I all think, just a mixed bag of stuff. So. I think yeah. Okay, <laughs> as far as I can remember, I think it was just a couple days after, um, and uh, yeah. So like that's where um, I kind of introduced myself, and we. I think the first practice was at your guys's. Yeah, we went to. Yeah, well, just outside of Stadler, yeah, my mom was living out there with, with Jack, Mom and Jack, and yeah, they had space for us to play. The same place we recorded the Break very of Dawn. Grungy, very grungy. Very grungy. Very <laughs> grungy. The same place we recorded the Break of Dawn music video. Really? And the same place that we recorded some of the parts, well, pretty much all of Lifeline as well. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I didn't know that, actually. So. Look at that, I'm still learning shit about you. Two years down the road. But, um... Thank you again for that, if you're listening. And, yeah, so, <laughs> Much thank you, Mama Taylor. <laughs> thank you for giving birth. <laughs> That's, okay, anyway, but... Um, but yeah, no, anyway, so we're here, we're about to talk about music and a few other things, and... Uh, as far as I can tell, uh... In your opinion, what, um... Oh, my mom's name is Valerie too. Okay. Another thing I didn't mom, know. Mom, well, I guess. <laughs> okay, thank you, Valerie. And other things. Anyway, yeah. So side note. Um, anyway, so um, in your opinion, um, where do you guys see yourself in today's music industry? Right where we are. <laughs> Playing in a basement in Red Deer. Still. Have you heard about us? Probably local, because like we're still very small. I think we're just very tiny. You know, Do you guys ever see yourself like playing a bigger show in Calgary or Edmonton or, I even, think or even Vancouver or Toronto? I or? can see ourselves playing more shows. We barely played some shows, so it's like, I don't really know. Imagine like a five-year thing. Like, so say, like I know a lot of guys that create like a five-year plan or a ten-year plan or whatever it is. Or even like a three-year plan or whatever. But like, if we were to set... Yeah, I know what you're, you're wondering. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. It's so hard for me to say, like, if we'll ever... Like, I know it's, like, hard to think about the future sometimes. Like, the great not, big Madison Square Garden show headlining. <laughs> you know? I, like, that's the ultimate... Maybe not ultimate. That's a huge thing, you know? You know you're great if you're doing that. Oh, yeah, but I mean, like... So even even, even at a local band, it's hard for me to say. Because I've been in it for since I was a teenager. Like, I think... Very um, just... Yeah. A lot of practice. So, I don't know. we got to test it out. So, uh, all in all, I know you're a big Manhattan guy, like most, like, shredders. And, uh, I know, like, almost every Manhattan guitar every, player. Yeah, like, you know, I, I know, I hear a lot of guys about, uh, you know, like, of course, like, go on about, like, the greats, Joe Satriani, whose actually birthday is today. Um, really? It's Joe, Joe Satriani's birthday. birthday? Yeah. Um, right on. I'm going to listen to I just seen that on Instagram. He has a very spirited Instagram that has, he's got the clear, the mirror guitar on it. Yeah. He has some really good songs on there. He's, he's under high up on the mountain, cherry blossoms. I don't think I've ever seen him without shades, like without sunglasses. No, he's always got sunglasses. He's always got sunglasses. On. Uh, <laughs> one more time. Um, Surfing with the alien. He's really the silver surfer, and he takes off his sunglasses. It's like Cyclops, but he turns into the silver surfer. Hmm. You ever heard Surfing with the Alien? I think 
very bravely. He didn't even play guitar on that, they just recorded his dreams. <laughs> well, honestly, that wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> Whatever goes through that man's brain, I am not surprised if aliens are involved. I mean, but, I think that's uh, what it sounds like. But uh, is he one of your uh, main influences? or Like, I know Eddie was a huge thing. He was definitely an influence, yeah. I mean, after I knew what Eruption was, and I started, I started looking into more virtuosos, you know. Just the category of Van Halen with, of course, uh, uh, Dave and then Sammy and whoever else, I think. Who all? I know. Um, Who did uh, Eddie Van Halen play with? Yeah, like, I know he's played with, like, he even did, um, he's been up song people. I know he did the, uh, a solo for Michael Jackson, too. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, besides him and whatnot, like, who are some names? Do you know players? what the band was called before it was called Van Halen, the band that they started in the 70s? What's that? It's called Mammoth. Mammoth, okay. <laughs> yes. Oh, and okay. now... Now they mention that, I do briefly remember. Now Eddie's son, Wolfgang, has released an, an album and our band. It basically goes by the name Mammoth, W-V-H. Nice. So he, like, took that and resuscitated it. Kind of gave it a whole new... Brother Bear and whatnot, and all that stuff. That, that's awesome that he's doing that. Eddie did a lot of stuff that was just with, you know, just with Van Halen. And then he did a solo for Michael Jackson. He appeared for a couple of live things. And he actually worked on some film scores for a while. Some people know, you, I remember one of the first songs I asked you if you like Van Halen. You're like, oh, I like this song from Twister. And I was like, wow, you know this song? <laughs> That's one that they did as a band too, but he actually worked on some other stuff just himself, which is pretty cool. What was that called? Uh, Shine On or whatever it was? Or what was that song called? I forget what it's called. I, I know exactly which one it is. Um, it's, it's with Sammy. Um, it's from the Twister soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, no, it's from the Twister soundtrack. I can't remember exactly what it's called. But, um, that's a really cool name. It, it may have been Shine On or whatever it was, but I, I, I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong, honestly, if I'm... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm probably wrong, but... Anyway, no, I, that, that's, uh, that's worth looking up. Uh, Twister soundtrack, I would, I would definitely look it up. But, mm-hmm. but uh... So, like, Virtuosos. Like... I've been, I definitely got into... Mm-hmm. I heard about Steve Vai being... Because he he's, was the guitar player after David Lee Roth left. Yeah. David Lee Roth did a solo career, right? Justin Gigolo, California Girls, stuff like that. Yankee Bros, that's Steve Vai playing. And so I learned some more Steve Vai stuff, and one of my guitar teachers, like Chris, he was like, you gotta check out Steve Vai. And Ingwe Malmsteen was like, all the arpeggios as fast as possible. He was like a real speed player. I, I, you know, I found Michelangelo Batio. There was Joe Satriani obviously was right there with Steve Vai. Mm-hmm. Right after Steve Very Vai melodic was, was Joe Satriani. Very melodic players. Like they, uh, um, I know Steve is a very... Um, he loves melody. Like mm-hmm. He can't get enough melody. Um, with, uh, um, I, I like what he said with uh, another interview. Um, it was with uh, Nikki Six, uh, Six Sense. Um, he was going on about how... Um, I forget who his instructor was for a few years, but uh, he would always start with uh, some kind of, not really a verse, but like more like a, a certain lick that bled into another lick that he would get taught like a month later or something like that. He's like, hey, do you remember you taught me this? And then he'd be like, oh yeah, go ahead and try this next, like along with it. Mm-hmm. And so he would essentially write a song um, out of like six months of guitar training. 
Hmm. And so he would like actually write a song, and so like every little bit of like, uh, use these things exactly. So like every little bit of melody that he would come up with, uh, like two weeks or a month later or whatever it was, um, he'd be like, "Hey, this kind of goes with it. Go ahead and try this next." And uh, soon after, he just became. Uh, he's like, "Oh, look at that! I have a whole freaking song I just learned." And boffy, boffy went. So mm-hmm. um, I, if if I come up with the name, I'll name drop it. But I I can't remember his name. Um, but, uh, yeah, at least, at at least for me, like, um, there's quite a few influences. Like, it's kind of interesting, um, like, where you can kind of draw inspiration from. Uh, like, even people who, like, for you as guitar players, but, uh, at least for me, like, I find musicianship more attractive than actual, like, drumming or bass playing or whatever. Um. Uh, for those who don't know, I play more than just drums. I enjoy bass a lot, and I'm already getting into more guitar stuff and whatnot. But um, musicianship and whatnot is more attractive to me than anything else. Because like the more um, school the guy is, and the more charismatic he is, and um, he or she, I like a lot of female guitar players and whatnot as well. Uh, of course, Nina Strauss and. Uh, Jen Ledger is an absolutely amazing singer and drummer. Um, mm. Phil Collins, uh, shit, Roger Taylor, uh, people who have <clears throat> like a long career of uh, doing more than just uh, hell, I don't know, like more than just drumming. Because even Roger Taylor is even in uh, production and things like that. He always has like something on the go. Like he's definitely a work uh Kenny Arnoff, who is probably the most working drummer out there. <laughs> like, um, super underrated. Super underrated. For, uh, like, he you is, say that, nobody knows who Kenny Arnoff is. You can say Jen, John Bonham. John like, Bonham. Oh, John Bonham, of course. Oh, Neil Perry, yeah. No, Kenny yeah, Arnoff. Exactly. Rush, definitely. Like, like, do you know he wrote this part? Or do you know he played the drums on this song? Like, yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, he... Uh, one was, of the guys is behind the, behind the curtain all the time. Oh, yeah. And, like, like he, he always has a job. You know, he doesn't have to worry about being jobless. <laughs> um, but uh, he... Uh, um, after I seen the Hired Gun documentary, like I didn't really know who he was, but the second that I watched Hired Gun, I'm like, okay, so I remember seeing him here, 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 and here. I had no idea who the hell he was, but I remember seeing him play. Um, but I had no idea, like, I had no idea. Is this Deja Vu? Was. No, it's Kenny Arnoff. It's exactly. Like, <laughs> Kenny Arnoff is Deja Vu. Yeah, there we go. Um, but, um, no, like, with, uh, like, Kenny Arnoff and Dave Grohl and, uh, like just Dave Grohl, I think everyone just loves. Like you know, you're you'd be hard pressed to find someone who doesn't like Dave. Like he does everything. He's got such a wholesome energy. He, he does. He does. Um, not only does he still play drums. Uh, drums are actually his first instrument, actually before guitar. Um, yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people know now that he played drums for Nirvana before he started Foo Fighters. Uh, I think he was. The sixth yeah, there was definitely yeah, multiple drummers. <laughs> I watched him telling the story one time of he was getting introduced to the band and the previous drummer was like testing him out. He's like, Well you gotta make sure that you got the stones to be the Nirvana drummer. So he's like, get in this dryer, <laughs> put quarters in the dryer and fucking tumble Dave Grohl. Wait, are you serious? I'm serious. <laughs> where was this? He was talking about it in an interview. I'll try to find it. <laughs> Don't know where the fuck it was. It might have been one of the documentary shows, like the history of metal or whatever it was. Oh, metal Revolution or something. 
But oh my god. See, okay, so that I did not know. <laughs> no, I see that happening. I definitely heard that story. I, I hear that happening. No, um, I would not be surprised. <laughs> but um, there was also one story where um, Chris Novoselic, the bassist, uh, who was an amazing bassist, by the way, he would do this thing where he would be um, he'd be at a show and he would like throw his bass eight feet up in the air and catch it. Uh, one show, I don't know where exactly, it could have been, could have been somewhere, I don't know, but uh, one show, um, he I, I don't know where they were playing, but one show, he throws it up in the air, he's blinded by the light, and it smacks down right on top of his head, and no one's seen exactly what happened, but he stumbles off, like, you can look this up on YouTube, he stumbles off stage, and Dave didn't, he, uh, he didn't really see what happened, but uh, right after the set, he, uh, uh, like everyone's running around and whatnot, they were like, uh, where's Chris? Like, everyone's looking for Chris, and no one knows where he is. Uh, so, so he was like, oh shit. And so like, he, he jumps out, and he's all running around, everyone's looking for him. And uh, he opens the door, and he's like expecting him to be in the phenol position with a big-ass lump on his head, <laughs> you know, half dead. Um, no, uh, he opens the door, and there he is drinking champagne with Brian May from Queen. <laughs> and, no shit! And so he's like, you know, he's just sitting there, you know, like, hey, hey, how's it going, man? So he's like, wow. dude, everyone's looking for you, what the hell happened? So he's perfectly fine, and off they went to the next one, but, <laughs> no, that was just a nice little brief of, uh, panic there, but, uh, no, I, I remember watching that, like, he was on Saturday Night Live, and he talked about it, and, uh, but yeah, no, um, so, besides Eddie, Joe Satriani, uh, like, those are probably, like, uh, like, I would imagine those are your main two, the way you play and whatnot, like, um, well, I don't know, I like, you know, even, but like I would George, imagine you like a lot of people. I like George Thorogood playing guitar, too, oh, yeah. and nobody looks at him as a guitar player, you know, but it's just, yeah. like, I loved his attitude on stage, and even when he's playing guitar, he's a big guitar George Thorogood and the Destroyers, Bad to the Bone, I'm like, damn, I love this. <laughs> you know? Definitely some other, other guitar players, too. I, I needed to keep it simple. I mean, I remember, like, like when I was a kid. This is when I was, like, most into, like, like romanticized with being a musician. And I think it was, like, Rocky Like a Hurricane. Because <laughs> it's just like, I loved it. I thought it was super cool. I was like, hell yeah. Rocky like a hurricane. And then I remember the first time I heard Eruption. I just took it to like such another level. I didn't know that that was possible. So that like blew my mind. And then after that, I was definitely searching for more things to blow my mind. Nothing else did. <laughs> so, I don't know. And I love like, you know, Jimi Hendrix and, and Steve Vai, like the way they, they bend their notes and all this stuff. And like, it's not always about the note you're playing, but like how much exactly. you can express it. And this reminds me of a Steve Vai quote when I was trying to learn how to get better at guitar. And I was like, I don't know, I'm going to go watch them talk about it. <laughs> and he was talking about how every note has to have an address mm. on the fretboard. You look at it, you go, this is the address for this note, this note, and then... It's like where it can go and how it can be played. Pretty much, you know? How does this fit into what I'm doing right now? Mm. And then just being the mailman, delivering all the mail. <laughs> there you go. I didn't think he said it that way, but... That, that makes sense. That, that, that makes sense. And then, yeah, I just listened to a lot of metal. Nice. And, and then classic rock, lots of classic rock. Because it blows my mind how much they were able to accomplish 
in terms of like their mixing and production with just all analog equipment. There's no dual, well there is do-overs, but you're wasting tape, you know, like it's so much more strict in those days. I can jump on like GarageBand and take a hundred takes and it's like, no big deal, no big deal deleted, right? nothing. Yeah. It's just time. And I think that's a double-edged sword. If you ask me, because um, it is 100%. It really is a double edged sword. I'd use it like that. Instead of writing on paper, I record yeah. into a thing now, so it's weird. I watched, uh, it was another interview with Ozzy and Zach Wald. Um, and uh, I think Zach was going on about how back in the day, like each generation kind of judges the generation after. Um, and I guess in more than one way, but. Um, uh, he was going on about how, you know, oh, back in the day, uh, back when Elvis was a thing, like, they were, like, for doo-wop groups and whatever else, it was uh, literally six or seven guys, or whatever number it was, and they had one mic hanging in a room, and they would all do doo-wops or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Then the next generation came along, and, uh, of course, you know, they're judging them because they have, what, a four-track or eight-track or whatever they had next after, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but... Um, and then after that, you know, they Stereo had... Stereo recordings. Yeah, and, and they had, uh, like, the generation after that, you know, they had tape, right? Um, you had, um, I, I have no idea what it was, but uh, um, he was going on about how, you know, like, with tape and whatnot, you only have so many uh, abilities to do it, so you better get it right. Um, and so he had an example where uh, you only have so many crowns, let's see what you can do. Um, you give a kid 10,000 crayons, it's going to be a cluster of whatever else, and it may or may not be good, but, you know, at least you have all these crayons, you can do whatever the hell you want with. Just keep but, drawing. But if you only have a certain amount of crayons, say, you know, you only have red, blue, green, yellow, let's see what you can do, let's see what you can come up with. Um, and half the time, uh, you know, the one with the fewest crayons usually is the better picture. Most times they're not. Um, take a lot more care of what they're doing. Exactly. You know, let's actually try and do something cool instead of, you know, you have 10,000 crowns. Let's just go freaking crazy and, it, you know, it, you never know if it's going to be good or not. You just don't know. Because mm -hmm. half the time you're trying, like, you're always trying something new. I mean, which is good, but, you know, you also have to kind of limit yourself and actually try and uh, do something that's um, relatively, you know, creative and very thought out and things like that, you know, and that goes for film, that goes for music, that goes for screenwriting, that goes for whatever, writing a book, you know, it's, you, know, you actually have to put a little more time and thought and, you know, energy into whatever it is you're doing, but also be reasonably limited to, you know, kind of what you're doing, because, you know, he was talking about a budget as well, how, um, oh, let's uh, say, okay, guys, we've got $30,000 to work with, uh, you know, and they end up using, well, uh, at least as far as I, you know, at least as far as I can tell, um, what he was going on about was, oh, okay, you know, we got, you know, 1.5 million to do it. Every single time you get a good sum like that, you always go over budget. Always. Every time. Because <laughs> you think you've got Because you think you've got so much, you know, did you really need that helicopter? Did you really need, you know, the... <laughs> we get uh, 25 of them! It's like, you know, guys, this is you ridiculous. Know, do we really need the poles? Do we really need the dancers? Like, you know, it just, it got to the point where... Um, it's like, all right, so, anyway, Oz, we got to come up with something, you know, that's a little more low-key, you know, that's a little more budget reasonable, right? And so, uh, the Mama, I'm Coming Home video for Ozzy and uh, Zach there, they had, um, I think it was only, 
whatever it was, uh, five grand or ten grand or whatever it was. And that was literally the um, uh, demo take that they did. Um, and it was only like ten grand or whatever. And they had like a 3.5 million budget and whatnot. And they're like, you know what? Let's do something a little more low key. Let's see what we can make, you know, let's use only so many crayons, come up with something that's reasonably priced out and whatnot. And sure, you know, that's 10 grand's a lot of money. But when you got 6.5 mil to work with, um, <laughs> it's like making let's something see, with Let's see what we can make, you know, almost. something that's good and, you know, that has, you know, a little bit of heart in there and, you know, you can like see. Just enough, you know? Yeah, you know, just enough. And you know what? That worked out great and it's one of the best videos in rock today, so. Um, but yeah, no, um, that's such a cool, but like, I really like his point that he made, so, and like, that's mm -hmm. kind of the mentality, and that's actually the inspiration I take from him, uh, cause he's a wise guy, he's been around for, I don't even know how long now, but, uh, <laughs> he's like the, he's been around, the papa of all he's, rock musicians, <laughs> and he's the original OG when it comes to badass guitar players, I think, but, all all uh, definitely, so many badass guitar players have played, with with Ozzy, oh, I think yeah. the only person Eddie ever felt threatened by was Randy Rhodes, mm -hmm. and he was obviously Ozzy's guitar player after he left. For a reason. He was in Quiet Riot too, right? Yep, in the seventies. And then joined Ozzy and died in a horrific plane crash, which is fucking tragic. And then I forget who came after Randy for Ozzy, but I know Zach Wild played for him. Gus Brad Gillis. Gillis. Brad Gillis. He's yeah. like Bark at the Moon guitar player. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and props to him because uh, not only um, are those shoes um, impossible to fill, but um, he took a lot of uh, shit in the press for, um, for um, not being Randy Rhodes. For not being Randy Rhodes. <laughs> it's fucking yeah. ridiculous. Reminds me of uh, Metallica when. Cliff Burton died. Jason Newstead, very, very similar story. So, it happens. They share a lot of common thread. I think uh, with, uh, um, I don't know, I to this day, um, like I really like Roberts. I think he's a great bass player, but uh, there's a certain energy that Jason brings to the table um, that I think he just would not be able to measure up to. And even to this day, like I remember him saying, uh, um, like he physically cannot play Metallica songs anymore the way he used to. Like he physically can't. Jason? Jason. Um, oh, he fucked up his neck really he, bad too. Yeah. He fucking whipped his head like every show for way too long. For 30 years and it's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like what, I, I think it was like discs or whatever. Like he would lose like a disc and one would like, like fall back where it was. Just dominoes with his was, spine. Yeah. Um, so he royally um, messed up his neck and spine area and yeah so but i mean a lot of guys uh um i i remember like guys going in for um i think and this wasn't even uh um, famous people this was just like random people i remember like meeting um like at the bar and things like that like both blues guys and things like that going in for knee surgeries at uh I don't know, 50 or whatever it was, or hip replacements or whatever else, and like, and they have a hard time freaking walking. Hmm. Um, and like, and, and it's just them being out on the road for 40 years. Like, it, it's just like, 
pro football or like pro wrestling or what <laughs> is this? I thought this was like just playing music. This wasn't supposed to be physical. It's not exactly the best physical activity. No, but like, and, uh, you still sweat on stage, right? But, like, that's true. The guitar is hanging on one side, so you're kind of being pulled a little bit to yeah, one side. So there's like all this. Are you playing this Paul? Or yeah. you're getting, you know, you're rocking back and forth and doing all this stuff, and it's yeah. just creates all these imbalances, even drumming. I mean, it's still like, people, a lot of drummers get all these problems I, with their arms and their I heard, uh, and heard some horror stories with, uh, who, who was it? Um, Glenn Soul, um, who is just a machine. Like, he can, like, the guy who practices for nine hours a day, <laughs> um, who is just like, he, he, he lives for drums, and honestly, he's definitely another guy I, take inspiration from me. He still plays with Al Stooper, I think, to this day. Um, but I remember um, in, I don't know, it was either a, a magazine I read or something like that, but he was saying that uh, like he had to talk to his manager and like build in like a six-month break up there. Um, like, like whenever he goes, like half the time he can't breathe up there, apparently. Um, because uh, like either I, I don't know if it's just an AC issue or mm. what the deal was there I don't know. Why um, but, yeah, but um, gotta change it up then. Apparently he talked to his manager and they built in like a six month break or whatever between the tour or like between legs of the tours or whatever it was. But um, but that was Cooper. You definitely go until you die. <laughs> apparently. Um, um, but yeah, no, I. Again, Alice Cooper, another huge inspiration. Uh, Nita, uh, Nita Strauss, amazing guitar player. She really is. That, you know. She got the gig and she rocked it. She's still rocking it. She, and she's, I don't yeah, think there's one of Nita Strauss. Stage. Um, but as far, as far as I can tell, like, you know, she's the only real female guitar player out there that's actually making a name for herself. Like, I'm pretty sure there's more out there, but... I mean, Lita Ford playing guitar, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. That was, like, back in Joan Jett playing guitar. Joan Jett's you know, still playing, I know. None of them play, like, Nita. None, none of them. Um, <laughs> but, like, and there's no new, real, like, female guitar players out there trying to make names for themselves. I have yet to hear of them. I mean, there's some in bands, but they're not... There's some in bands, but, like, they're not, like... Standing like, on their own doing YouTube stuff. There's, there's some YouTube guitar players that are female. What? Oh, yeah, no. There's, there's, there's some now. amazing YouTube musicians. Oh yeah, it is incredible. It's I, I think that's the new. Uh, You've seen the platform, Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yep. The vocalist that they hired to do the vocals for Freddie Mercury's parts is yep. from a, from YouTube. He's a YouTube singer. Anthony uh, Vincent, I think his name is. Yes, I yeah, that's his name. Um, he is actually a student of Ken Sandler. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And another really awesome singer that reminds me of Ken Tamplin, Dan Vask. Dan, I think, is it Dan Vask or Dan Vosk? Vosk, I, I, I have no idea. haven't heard it pronounced before. Um, but, uh, but you, you, almost, uh... So, I, like, who is Ken Tamplin? Uh, Ken Tamplin's a whole kind of song, guys. He has a music forum, he has a music, uh, um platform that he literally shows everyone from the ground up step by step on how to become uh, like the best singer that you possibly can. Um, how to practice. And how to practice, how to do it all. Uh, he teaches everything in this course. I am going to go get it once I can afford it and actually afford to fly down there, meet the guy himself and uh, get set up and go. Um, because not only uh, can you, you know, obviously learn to sing from the guy, but you can learn to use your voice in other different ways. 
Um, I know a lot of guys that go get vocal training for voice acting, for radio, for whatever. Um, very long-winded, um, uh, I don't know, speeches, like, you know, people who give out speeches for a living or whatever. Like, they go get vocal training. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can, I'm pretty sure he teaches the same principles um, for that with uh, other things as well. But, um, but yeah, no, that's um, uh, definitely one thing that I would recommend to everybody, Ken Tempen, uh Vocal Academy. That's a nice little shout out there. But, but yeah, um, I saw um, this one, uh, uh, this one guy that definitely inspired me to keep uh, keep going, and that was um, Mr. Jason Hook um, in grade uh, grade nine or grade ten. Not literally, but, not uh, physically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> tendencies are spiritually. <laughs> I think <laughs> spirit animal. Do you want another beer? Um, if you got one. Yes. Um, but I. Uh, I think there was one, uh, what was the first video I've seen of Um, it may or may not have been, uh, Wash It All Away. Wash It um, All Away. I think that was one of the first videos I remember seeing of him, and, um, and five, uh, I think Five Red Punch was just at its peak with American Capitalist. And they were one of the main bands a lot of kids were listening to in my high school. And I had no idea who they were. And so as soon as I heard five minutes, I was like, what the hell is that? Is that like, you know, I don't know. I, I was assuming death metal, because death wasn't the name, right? <laughs> it sounds but, pretty metal. And, sure. right? and so I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, you know, let's see what these guys are about. And then I heard Bad Company, of course. And that, this was the height of Bad Company. Um, like, where okay. commercially they were like the biggest like hard rock and metal acts. Okay. I think yeah, like when Got Your Six came out. That's yeah. Um, well, American Capitalist was. Uh, was it Got Your Six or American Capitalist first? I, I think it was American Capitalist. I think it was American. Yeah. Um, and then Got Your Six was after. I think yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I looked up Death Punch's like catalog and Bad Company was there. Uh, Never Enough, um, Dwayne the Fist. Um, and That's their first album. That was, the, that was the first album. And Bleeding, such an awesome song. Bleeding was the riff right. that I really got attracted to. And, I, and that wasn't the Jason Hook yet. This was this other guy. I don't know his name. I'm pretty sure Jason Hook's starting band. No. no. Really? No. That was um, Jeremy Spencer and uh, Zoltan Bathory. Mm. Uh, Zoltan and Jeremy were the ones to start it. And Jason and Jeremy were friends way back when. And I think, um, I think Jason was still living in Toronto at the time. Um, he was with another band actually, who got signed to Electra, um, same um, company that signed Motley Crue way back in the eighties. Okay. And so uh, he was uh, with um, I think Brent Fitz or whatever, another Canadian artist or whatever. It was a local thing. Um, but anyway, so he got signed to Watcher with this original band, and they got dropped. Um, so he's like, okay, well, now that I'm devastated and I don't know what the hell else to do with whatever, I uh, loaded up his, uh, he's like, you know what, if I'm going to take him with swing this, I've got to get, like, back down that way. And so, because if he's going to take him with swing this, he said to himself, i got to just be there. 
Uh, so we loaded up his old, whatever it was, Ford, or no, uh, Hyundai Pony, whatever it was, like this, like, 80, like 82 Hyundai Pony thing, whatever it was. I don't know. Not some much tiny car. Some tiny car that's not much bigger than mine. Um, <laughs> and we just beelined it down with a couple hundred bucks to LA. He uh, met up with Jeremy Spencer, um, who they were still friends with, like, because um, after a while, uh, um, he's like, okay, well, you can just try crashing my couch until you get things organized. And that was kind of the start of, uh, you know, him and Jeremy actually, like, trying to work together and try and find and build a metal band, because originally they wanted to, you know, they originally started a metal band together. Um, but Jeremy found Zoltan, um, and uh, they started Death Punch together. And um, Jason uh, was doing couple other things here and there and like he was doing bar bands. He was doing like he was in five or six nights at a time. Uh, Tuesday nights with this band, Wednesday nights, Thursday nights here and like you know, that's what he would do. Uh, but then one of the um, uh, one of the musicians in one of these other bands said, Hey, um, I hear I hear uh, um, what the hell was it? Um, not uh, I think it was what the hell was it? Um, uh, either Lizzie McGuire or something like Hillary that. Hillary Duff? Liz, uh, I think Lizzie McGuire, or sorry, yeah, uh, Hillary Duff uh, was looking for an acoustic guitar player. Um, and he was like, oh, okay, well, gotta pay rent somehow, I guess. And uh, so I guess someone got a hold of him, and uh, like, I guess someone from Disney came down and said, hey, you know, we'll put me together. Uh, ragtag of musicians for this one project for Disney or whatever it was and he was just he was just a renting guitar player. Like there was no job security there whatsoever. Um, as far as I could tell. Um, and This is before okay, like this when was, does this happen? This was like, this was before Alice Cooper and Death Punch. He was in Alice Cooper as well? He was in Alice Cooper, yes. Okay. Um, I know so, that he like he definitely toured with Hillary Duff. Yeah. Um, so he actually, you can still see videos of him, uh, like, playing at the, like, Disney venue or whatever. It's super fucking funny. And the haircut that he had, too. Oh, my God. Was he still wearing jerseys? No. No? no? I think it was just, like, bait, a little shirt like this or whatever it was. Um, but anyway, so, <laughs> I, yeah, I looked up a few videos of him doing that, and I'm like, oh, my God. It's, like, the most unmetal thing you can do. <laughs> um, and I'm like, just, I... I think, yeah, I think even Jeremy made a comment saying it, but that was a bit lighter than what I thought you'd go for, but I mean, whatever, he was working, making a good living, and the way it still matters, right? Yeah, exactly. Doing, still doing your you job. Pay, you can pay rent, kids, that's, that's how it works. Um, fuck, I, I'm, I'm, not much, I'm not much better, I got, I, I have a McDonald's job, so I mean, there you go. It's time and place. It's, it's, it's money. Um, but uh, no, shor shortly after that, um, I think he was doing tours of that. Like, he was touring arenas, but it was all just, like, all, all kids, right? Um, and, you know, I mean, whatever. Half the time, that's their first show, and whatever else, so whatever. Um, I did like the um, uh, Explorer that he was using. Um, had, like, uh, Vogue Canada branded in it, and things like that, and... Um, right on. It was, I don't know, like, it was kind of decked out, and I, I, I have yet to see, see him play. I don't know if he got rid of it. He probably got rid of it, but... I, I, I doubt it. Why would he get rid of it? Who knows? Um, he's, a, he's, he's been giving away guitars. Um, like he, he has a whole arsenal of probably lockers and lockers and 
shipping containers full of guitars probably. But. So, but yeah, that's for like the red light thing, right? Because so many people were out of work for the pandemic. So he's like giving away options. I think so, yeah. And signing stuff, right? Like, yeah. As far, as far as I can tell. But um, anyway, so yeah, no, Hilary Duff was his gig before Al Cooper. And actually while he was touring with Hilary Duff, um, uh, he got um, like Al Cooper and I think it was Dave um, from Megadeth. Um, Mustang? Dave, uh, no, um, sorry, bass player from Megadeth. Oh, Allison. Yeah, um, and uh, who actually just recently got fired from Megadeth. Um, no shit, why did he get fired? I didn't even hear about this. I think I'd go on the internet really? more. Okay, <laughs> um, so anyway, so I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. Um, uh, so, anyway, so him, Cooper, uh, they brought their nieces and nephews to go see Hillary Duff. Um, I don't know if this was at the same place, but, uh, both of them saw him play with Hillary Duff. I don't know if it was at the same time or the same video, I don't know, but, um, anyway, so Cooper saw him and, uh, so he's like, who's a guitar player? And so someone finally said, oh, that's Jason Hook, and, uh, he's like, yeah, go ahead and write that name down. And uh, so, like, he always, apparently, whenever he goes to see shows, he keeps track on, you know, oh, what would that drummer is? Oh, I wonder who that guitar player is. Yeah, he always writes, he always writes the name down. He hires his band. He always, he's always looking for players. And I think that most, like, the three people that I think have played with him the longest are Glenn Sobel, Nita Strauss, and I think the bass player. I don't, I forget the bass player's name. Is he a consistent bass player? Yeah, for a while. I, I, anyway, those are like the three guys. Going back to the Hired Gun documentary, there's Rudy Sarzo was one of those guys. Was he? Did he play with Oscar? I'm pretty sure he played with Oscar. I, I, I would imagine so. I don't think he's like... He's played with literally, literally everybody. He just released a new signature bass, too. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that. Oh, I mentioned that. Oh, I've seen that. That's tempting. Very tempting. Uh, 18 grand later. Um, <laughs> no, it's not that expensive. But, um, probably around a thousand. Probably a couple thousand. Um, anyway, so um, but anyway, so yeah, no. Uh, Cooper saw Jason uh, play at some kind of gig with Pillar um, Duff. I think it was maybe Amsterdam or Buttfuck, Ohio. I don't know. Somewhere around. But uh, yeah, so he eventually saw that and finally got in touch with them. And uh, um, he didn't even have to audition apparently, from what I hear. Um, he just. Sign up and hey, first show's here. Be there. Like he, he like looked into so, who is Jason Hook. Let me get you know talk to some people and he's like, I don't even need to audition him. Yeah. He's in the band. He's, wow. <laughs> Jason Hook is just like he's like modern Jimmy Page. I guess. Um, but, he played for Hillary Duff. What the fuck? Yeah, no. Um, but like you hear his his talent in Five Finger Death Punch. He has a signature sound. He has a signature sound, and even when um, nobody knew it for so long until he like actually could show it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so um, I think uh, it was actually shortly after. Like, funny enough, he actually got um, uh, his job. Like, he actually lost his job like shortly before he joined Cooper, uh, which couldn't have been better timing, I think, for him. Um, and yeah, so and I guess. Hillary Duff went to make uh, some kind of show um, with whatever and like a TV show. I think stop touring. Yeah, Disney canceled the tour. Yeah, so it was kind of a left turn of business and 
He was like, oh, great, thanks. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, hey, the, the housekeeper came calling and away he went. Um, that is awesome. So, like, just lined up perfectly. I think it played with Slash, too. I mean, sometimes the universe is just like, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, you know, it's a sign, you know, this is just part one of the plan or whatever. And there you go. But, um, but yeah, no, I, uh, I find uh, a lot of inspiration from him and a few other people, and people that aren't even drummers. Like, I, 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 could, I see value in a lot of people with uh, uh, like great attitudes about stuff, and even local, the local fire department. You know, I met a few guys out of there, and um, yeah, I know some of them are really, really good people that have a really good grasp on life, and be like, hey, shit's not as fucked as you might think. Uh, and, and, and sometimes that, like, like, that's just like great to hear. Like, it doesn't even have to be about music. It doesn't even have to be about rock and roll. It doesn't have to be about this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just general life in, in general. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's why I like this podcast. And like, what, I, what it started on was, was definitely just this idea of health. And, and kind of like, you don't have to go the, the wrong path. You can still, you can always choose a good path in life, you know? No matter what you're doing. For me, I could have easily taken a left or mid Albuquerque. Um, it uh, it got to the point uh, with a lot of things with my old life. Um, it got to the point where I'm like, oh, awesome! I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to sleep tonight. You know, with my door unlocked, or uh, since so and so decided to kick it in, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to sleep tonight or whatever. Like certain things like that. Eh? Um, and uh, I think that's where I really got listening to more and more music because it had a sense of security with it. And uh, like that's where I think a lot of the seeds were planted were because of those events. And in a way, I'm kind of grateful for them now, <laughs> in a weird yeah, sense. That's powerful. Um, Holy shit. With uh, a lot of things, and like for a lot of people who don't know what the hell I'm talking about, um, there was a few events in life where unfortunately uh, domestic violence is very, very common now, now more than ever. Um, and it's a serious topic, and a lot of the time, uh, like, the first step into actually, like, solving it and to get people to come out and uh, help solve the problems is to talk about it. Like, just get it out in general conversation. Like, you know, hey, it's not as, you know, uncommon as you might think. You know, oh, that neighbor right down the street? Oh, yeah, <laughs> guess what? He beats his wife. <laughs> right? Funny enough. It's good to know that there's other yeah. people out there. You know, as, as fucked as that sounds, you know, unfortunately that's the truth in a lot of cases where you would not think that, you know, you're a banker at the local TV bank. Oh, he's a heroin user and he beats his wife on the side too. You know, but he wears a clean, he has a clean cut, shaven look and whatnot and a suit and tie. You would not think. Um, like, and people who, uh, and on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, people who you think, oh, you know, he's a grungy looking, you know, dumbass who thinks, you know, you know, he has ripped up jeans, he has whatever else, he looks greasy as hell. When I remember the last time we showered, oh, he probably shoots heroin too. Funny enough, oh, he works at the kitchen at uh, Burger King or whatever, and he's actually a super nice guy, and when he pumps gas on, you know, 77th Drive or whatever, and, uh, you know, he, he's working two jobs, and guess what? He's actually a super nice guy, and he's a manager at McDonald's over there, too. 
So he's working three jobs and you know he takes care of two kids who he loves the other. Or the reason why he looks like that. Child support. And or 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 you know he's it, it could be all anything. the time. It could be like his whole life. Yeah, and so that's like, it. Um, it's just the perception of certain serious topics like the Muslim ones, um, like are very misunderstood. And very like you know, someone fucked up the translation a long time ago, I think. But um, uh, it just got it, it, it's to the point now where it's super super common, and I've seen it very much firsthand uh, with two failed marriages and um, sixteen different uh, girlfriends later. You know, oh yeah, she's afraid of her dad for a reason. She doesn't she doesn't go home a lot. The reason why she's staying at that friend's house that night, that friend's house that night, that friend's house that night for a reason. Guess what? She's afraid to go home. Or... She's uh, she's essentially homeless. Wow, it's fucked up. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's not as common. Or well, it's not as uncommon as people like like to make it out. But anyway, it's a certain uh, topic I think that's uh, slowly coming to light. And as Johnny Cash once wrote, you know, what's done in the dark will eventually come to light. So um, and Johnny Cash. Huge. Let's do it. Like, Johnny Cash is an absolute icon. I imagine. Like, he's awesome. And Don't, honestly, he was probably... Off. <laughs> like, you want to talk about a fucked up home life, you know, looking over the oh, Johnny Cash. Oh, definitely. Like, he went through all this shit. And his songs, you can kind of tell. I mean, and it's all in the songs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, no, I think to this day, he's still one of the uh, most influential... Um, Musicians and actually, I think Wage War did a, a song actually dedicated to Johnny Cash. Uh, they did a, um, I think a metalcore version of it and then an acoustic cover, which is still pretty edgy too. Um, which I highly recommend you listen to Wage War, Johnny Cash. That's literally the song title, Johnny Cash. Um, but yeah, no, I know. It's really good. Better be good! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> no, I, I, I highly recommend it, but. <clears throat> Um, but what keeps you playing, honestly? Like, to this day, like, what actually keeps you playing? I just want to hear the sound of my guitar. <laughs> that sounds so, like, self-centered, but, like, literally, sometimes that's just what I want to hear. And just, I sit down, like, I can just play this. So far, you got like, to so. It's just kind of flowing the consciousness. It's like using, using music to extend my consciousness into another form, or, like, it's like alchemy. <laughs> I, I tweeted this, I talked about this yesterday, uh, that music is like the alchemy of experience. You like take an experience and then you kind of like grasp it, transmute it, and then like make it audible in a different form. So like a huge form of expression, essentially. Yes, that's why I play now. At first I was like, I want to I wanna play because Guitar Hero is fun. <laughs> I want to I make those sounds. And, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's still the same, but <laughs> it's just deeper. I mean, what's on screen is kind of what, you know, you kind of do, so. <laughs> I tried to, literally. I was like... All that jumping around on the stage dives? Yeah, no, that's not fiction, kids. As soon as I beat through the fire and the flames on Expert, I was like, okay, I have to play everything standing now, <laughs> and I have to try to do the same stage moves that they're doing, which are absolutely ridiculous. They float in the air and, like, meditate and, like, fucking fling their guitars and shit. It's crazy. I'm not gonna be able to do that stuff. I've accepted. I will throw a harness on you. You're all good. Yes. <laughs> the magic of stage moves. So as Taylor's flying through the air and the fire is going off and the smoke's on the, and oh, like, the dry the ice is going everywhere. Yeah. No, we're gonna put lights on his asshole and uh, we're gonna <laughs> watch him just fly across the sky. You know the Katy Perry fireworks video? Oh yeah. yeah like that. Yeah, but yeah, 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 y
coming out of his ass. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I'm like, if, if we do end up like getting some traction in the live music scene and we do get like pyrotechnics, I want to meet a pyrotechnician. It would be so cool to just talk to a pyrotechnician and be like, oh, so you pull stuff up? I think. Okay, tell me about it. I think Mr. Donnie Smith may or may not know a few guys. Um, so Wicked. <laughs> I would give Mr. Donnie a call. Donnie! He says, so. Tell me about the pyrotechnicians, you know. Yeah, yeah. Tell me with your knowledge. Um, but <laughs> anyway, yeah, so. <laughs> I, um, I don't know, so. So I don't know if, uh... I wonder how much it would cost to do pyro for a show. Oh. Because, like, I remember seeing Nickelback, and they're like, we got the pyrotechnicians for Motley Crue. <laughs> like, and, that's uh, some high-quality stuff. They got, um, who was he? Uh, what was his name? They got, uh, someone from Motley Crue and someone from Pantera. Right. Pantera! Um, <laughs> Holy fuck. Uh, what the hell was his name? I don't know. Uh, someone from Southern, South Carolina or something like that. Um, but, uh, I think it was maybe in South Carolina or New Orleans or somewhere over there. Um, Midwest, somewhere. <laughs> um, and they had, uh, yeah, no, I totally forget his name, but he blew shit up for Pantera, he blew shit up for Bali Crew. Um, now he blows shit up for Nickelback. Like, you know, he's had a hell of a career with blowing shit up. Um, but, uh, I think once he got... I think once he got the Nickelback cake, I think he uh, just decided to not care anymore and just like he, he just lit up everything on fire. <laughs> so um, I think uh, Chad was uh, very has a lot of bonfires now. <laughs> he has he has all the bonfires now. Yeah, no. <laughs> he had um I think he had a little hand in how the power techniques went. I think he, uh, from what the um, told design, me, like a show like that's such another part of it. I, I think like, they I, I don't think they can. Uh, I, I don't know if they still do this now, but back with Dark Horse Tour, um, they did that with Mutt Lang, um, amazing producer. It was like 70 now, like 70-something now. Holy shit. No, like he, he's, he's done just everybody. Um, but uh, um, I think they did a brief stand with Bob Rock, too. Uh, or at least like Ooh. he was in the room or something like that. Ooh. Um, <laughs> Bob Rock's in the room. I would be fanboying. Fanboying. Um, and... Uh, Holy cow! Yeah, no. If I if I could sit down with Bob Rock and do something like this with him, <laughs> I would be like, I would even. If I would, anything, I would just be fanboying all the time. Like, oh my god, look at Bob Rock! This is your guy? Oh my god! Yeah, no. I'm trying to steal his hair or something. Uh, um, he's like the embodiment. I'm never gonna have an interview with Bob Rock. <laughs> I he, he's like the embodiment of like a well-trained golden retriever. Like he's just. Uh, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> I would say that. but like he's—I I, don't—I—I I don't know why, but I think like his spirit animal would be like a well-trained golden retriever. Like he's just always there. He's your best friend. He's done everything with you, and he's just always a part of the family. <laughs> like, hands down. But I could say that because I had a golden retriever growing up. Really? His name was Coach. Yes. Great uh -huh. fucking dog. I miss him. Um. But <laughs> anyway, so. Um, no, but anyway, so, um, what were we talking about? Um, pyrotechnics. We talked about pyrotechnics. Blowing shit up. Um, so. I just think it would be cool to talk to somebody who blows shit up for a living. And, oh yeah, oh yeah. I wonder that's, how that's, much it costs too, like, if oh, we could somehow afford these guys Donnie knows to do like, some Actually, ridiculous pyrotechnics. I mean, we have to know that there's like 
a thousand people going to be there or something, you know? Like, uh, placements, how much you're going to throw in, uh, like price of gunpowder, I don't know. But anyway, so uh, this, according to Kim, back in like 2008, like, or sorry, like 2008, somewhere in there, um, it was either the All Right Races Tour or Dark Horse Tour, but uh, Kim went to like almost uh, every show with the Dark Horse Tour, apparently they toured that, like, for four years, whatever it was, five years. They did it like a double tour. They did, yeah, they did. Um, I think. Two like, legs. There was one tour, I think it was two legs. Twice. Yeah, it was uh, two legs for each show, for each part of the tour, like the first, uh, like North American and European tour. Uh, I think they did that twice now. Yeah, um, twice or three, but I think it may have been twice. Um, but anyway, so uh, Kim, uh, my buddy Kim Whitelock, he was uh, at. Uh, um, a lot of the Calgary shows, a lot of the Regina shows, I mean, shows, uh, a couple of Vancouver shows, I think, too. Um, but, uh, so, I, apparently Chad would throw in an extra, whatever it was, 30 grand, 50 grand, 80 grand, whatever it was, uh, just for, like, an intro with just power techniques. So, like, he would be, like, it would be fireworks, it would be whatever else, lasers, um, everything, including dancing elephants or whatever, I don't know. Whatever they can do, make you wild. And so, yeah. No, um, apparently one of the like European Star shows. Wars Safari. And right. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, we're gonna get flying elephants. We're gonna get, uh, yeah, no. Um, but um, anyway, so uh, apparently one of the European shows. Um, apparently they didn't have that in the budget. And they just did it anyway. Um, and so I think it was Mike, uh, the bass player, who came up and uh, um, he was like. Have you looked at this yet? Guys, do we really need, like, you know, he went off about the budget, and uh, so mostly he was looking at Chad, be like, Chad, get over here. And so, like, he would go down the list of uh, everything else. And so, basically, this was, like, the payment of, like, 16 different houses. Um, like, essentially, the equivalent to, like, six, like I don't know, like, down payments on, like, you know, 16 different houses. It was out there. It was, like, Holy fuck. 100-some-odd grand each show, and, you know, after a tour, how many shows was that? So, um... They managed to pay it off, but they couldn't afford to do that again. So um, uh, it was like, okay, yeah, uh, let's not put Chad in charge of the pyrotechnics. We gotta hire some folks. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, don't put Chad in front of the pyrotechnics bill because they'll rock that son of a bitch out. Make it big. Oh my god, it's gonna be great. Now I can just hear him now. But anyway, so um, it got to the point where it's like, okay, yeah, we can't afford to keep doing this, and so like, my god. Like a professional team and whatnot, they got it right, and it was still enough to where you know the shows were freaking awesome, but you know they're not blowing you know thirty, forty, fifty grand on just pyrotechnics for thirty seconds. As epic as those thirty seconds are, <laughs> uh, it's not worth it at the end of the tour. So, um, but anyway, so yeah. Um, and they're a band that the pyrotechnics didn't upstage them. They just it was like part of the show. It was, it was. I feel like show. if we did pyrotechnics, the pyrotechnics would be better than our show. Yeah, probably. Maybe not. I don't even know. It's so hard for me to tell now because, like, I'm I've been in it. I haven't like seen it, so it's like so weird. So yeah, no, I, I still roast myself. I think we all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I th- I go through this self-loathing process of I'm the worst fucking drummer out there. But then you're like. But Only if I don't practice. <laughs> like, so, now I'm just gonna well, give it that much harder. I That's kick why myself I in the ass. ass. I I royally kick myself in the ass every time because um 
as far as I know, I don't know if um, there's another uh, chance I'll get at being in a proper band. Um, and with you guys, with the experience that you have, um, I don't want to play with a bunch of novice, mediocre people. I really, really don't. Um, because one, you're seeing all these greasy people that are just like kind of. As I played with a handful of bar bands, and I the lack of musicianship, the lack of uh, wanting to actually be in a band and play, um, the lack of respect for one another, uh, the lack of responsibility. Like you know, people think, oh, you know, you sign up for a band, you're gonna just. As far as grandparents know, you know, it's like you know, oh, you know, it's like the. Like a lot of bands just get together, like do smoke and water, and then just shoot up. There are bands out there like that, and they're pretty fucked up. And unfortunately, uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, bands still out there that do That's that. Depressing. And it is depressing, and I don't know why they would put themselves actually through that. Um, but uh, you know, you guys aren't that band. Um, you guys actually write original stuff, which was. I'm like, okay, great, they do that, and the songs are actually great, um, but, uh, you know, it's sort of, like, I want to see what happens when you hit the studio. Um, like, do you guys get a lot of red light fever, do you guys get, like, I, I don't know. It would be cool to go into the studio where I can just do my part and not have to do fucking half the band. It's <laughs> just a lot of band. When I'm not used to it. And why did I have to be the drummer? I don't play drums. If you <laughs> ask me. Job, Look at not right job. And no. I did not hit the bass kick hard enough though. And you can tell. You can definitely tell. You can and tell. I, I think that was like it's great that you guys did that, but I think that was um I think that should have been postponed. Um it definitely felt like I was I, kind of in a rush, but I I did know how the songs went. And the only one that I had a lot of trouble with was Surveillance Tape. It took like 50 tries, 50 takes to get just all the parts. And it wasn't one take from the beginning to the end. It was like, it's like all these different parts. Yeah. Um, Can you do this section? I don't know, let's find out. And they're like, fuck, there was like nothing that was helping. People, I would rather have been just me and Daryl. Just kind of like, but I feel like it's better for Daryl that Michael was there. I, I don't know. I have a certain opinion on that album that I just, I, I'd rather not go into it because I feel like I would break a lot of people's hearts and I'd rather not open up that can of worms from just... I don't think you would break, I think you maybe break one person. From just the education I've received with a lot of things production-wise and certain things that um, go into it, making a great album. There's a lot of elements that are missing, and that's essentially what I'm just gonna leave it at. Um, I think there was a lot of things. I don't think it's a great album. I and I've always wanted to make a great album, but I think that it it definitely takes some, practice. The songs are great, but I feel that they were not done justice. No, I think there's a lot more we could have done in production with using more of the plugins and just trying to actually get the sound that we wanted. We had reference tracks and stuff, but we never looked at those in the studio. And we never like did anything to reset our ear fatigue. Yeah. It was definitely a thing. Playing drums for like ten hours a day, twelve hours a day, definitely gives you ear fatigue. And just listening to it does. So it's like there's just way more things we could have done, especially if we had more people involved with it. It was just two of us and the producer, and so it was like or the engineer, right? So it was like 
what do we do? And we were, he was basically treating us as the producers. And we are like, well, we don't really have a whole lot of experience doing this. We want to just keep it basic. And he's like, okay, well, I won't do anything then. That, that was, was it. We were just like, okay, well, let's just get everything recorded. And we got everything recorded. And we did a little bit. Some EQ. Every once in a while, we'd throw a plug-in on, like, one of the tracks. Was there Kind of the middle finger, we threw a stereo imager on the guitar part to just give it a bit more presence. Because when it was just one guitar track, there was even it, you, you hear it even less. So we tried to like try to fill it out a little bit more. That's and, what compression and well, everything has a specific purpose. That's yeah. No, I I, I don't know. I I wasn't there. I don't know what was going on. But I mean, you, you don't have to put freaking like three tracks on everything. It depends on what what you're working with, right? But we didn't really. And, and from what I hear, it's pretty bearable. And so I mean, to you everything. Could, so we, it was a learning experience for sure. Yeah. Um, with this next one coming up, though, I definitely will be a little more hands-on and involved. Um, Do you know how to use all the plugins, though? That's why I'm like, I gave you a laptop. I was like, use this, practice it, know what these are, yeah. so that we can go in and be like, okay, we need to put this on this because it sounds like this, and then you just edit, and then it's, okay, mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like there was nothing on the drums, from what I hear. There was, there was not a damn thing on the drums. They were very basic. I think we did a little bit of EQ and was like, does this sound good? And it's like, there was no compression. Like, can you make no... the can you make the bass sound more? And he's like, no, there's nothing more I can do. Bullshit. Like, I won't. He wouldn't. There's certain things he wouldn't do. Like he wouldn't boost the you know certain things in the EQ more than the number of decibels, which makes sense because it fucks with the recording later on. But like, well, you still, don't want you don't want that. Yeah. So I mean, he so, had like these things. Like, no, and I, I totally get where probably was coming from, but yeah, yeah that's, that's true, because that's an amateur thing to do, is to fucking turn up the EQ a bunch to compensate. Really what I needed to do was be a drummer for the whole time, and not just practice for a summer on a practice pad. <laughs> yeah, no, I and, and props to you for having the balls to step up and, like, actually going to do that. Cause I was, I mean, I wanted to... I wanted to do these songs justice. I was like, we need better than GarageBand. And, that, and, and this is correct. better than GarageBand. So, I mean, like, we did get that accomplished. We got something real recorded. So, like, that was the point. I know, and I'm glad that you guys did that. And I mean, the artwork on the back is pretty cool, too. It is cool. I like the way we, we came out with this. This is a picture taken by our previous bass player, Aaron. This is a picture when Michael's car died on the way to record this. That's funny. And then we had to get it fixed. <clears throat> I want to open this and show you the inside too, but it won't because it's sealed. It's something we can buy. <laughs> like I have another 200 of them though. God damn, I could open it. Yeah, no, I, to I, I totally get where probably Daryl's coming from there. And um, Funny enough, I did call him and said, Hey man, uh, this is so-and-so from uh, Intense Reality here. How's it going? And so um, I talked to him how like he might be interested in doing a um, a, a second album with you, and like we have a bunch of ideas already written down. This looks pretty cool. It looks pretty pl basic, very plain on the outside, but then you open it up and it's like, boom, bam, whoa, uh, intense reality. Wow, isn't that cool? I really wanted to make it pop. And then there's just some like shout outs and stuff. Wow real instruments used to record the album. I don't know. Now, for what it's worth, um, I think... Uh, it was worth it. 
that. No, I think you guys did a... Where's the, the, the experience going through it? And just like knowing like while you're there is, is, is the time to make it all perfect. And, and to do all the practice you can beforehand. And don't do more than you can handle. I mean, and even this, the last album before this, Altered States, I did the drums for Altered States as well. With like no practice. Like it's, it's really ridiculous. That's why I really want to get another thing recorded where we have a drummer who's been the drummer the whole time that plays on the, on the album, you know? So like, there's all these things that's always been holding our band back. Now, and I think once you guys, uh, so sorry, like one, like once you guys actually get um, a solid foothold and get a, a half decent, uh, um, like you guys have recorded how many albums now? Technically three, like that was like the whole band was involved with. Yeah. There's some side project stuff that was just Michael and I that we did separately, and but we have recorded an EP also. That's kind of like a band camp thing. Hmm. And there's two songs on there that are are unique. And Hold On was also on there, which is now on this album. No, and I think, uh, um, like, once you guys actually get, like, the solid um, either EP done or something like that, uh, something that actually has um, a little bit of a traction and foothold into, like, hey, you know, this can actually go against... Uh, the bloodbath that is the music industry now, um, because there's so many new bands out there like trying to make a name for themselves and trying to, it, it's it's a war zone, it it really is like trying to get uh, um, a new band actually out there and in, um, like and in the whole industry and the scene and things like that like you know unless uh, unless you're touched by the hand of God and whatnot like it's gonna be a bloodbath. And that's why I think uh, you guys need more than just two fucking guys in the studio, like trying to shit out whatever it is that it is trying to, you know, like well. Thank goodness I you're here. Try, I guess whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess whatever it is you're trying to do, because. Um, uh, well, now we we got the new songs that we have, which you've helped write. So hopefully we're like just doing some good stuff. That I think people like, and that we're gonna have a way better sound next time. I think so. Um, I think with um, certain songs like "Hold On" and things like that. Um, um, I think "Hold On" and um, uh, "Bleeding Our Disease" or sorry, or, or, or what do you call it? Uh, Disheartening. Yeah, that's the that's the new song. "Hold On's like a yeah. Old so line. "Hold On's on this one, and. Uh, um, Disheartening is one of the new ones. In my opinion, um, with um, certain songs and whatnot, like, uh, there needs to be like a certain uh, level of um, creative elements in there. Um, like, I, I call them hooks. Um, and mostly, hooks are found in like um, courses and things like that. Um, like, mostly in courses and whatnot. Cause the or course, the like, intro. And, or even the intro one. I mean, they could be anywhere, but um, uh, they're like, like, a, like the course essentially is like the meat and potatoes of the fucking song, right? Like, that's usually how it goes. Mm -hmm. um, but um, with certain songs and whatnot, like, I'll use uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, for example. Um, okay. uh, you know how it has those creative feelings and whatnot. Like, you know, like, say, for example, like he's talking about... Uh, 
being out on the road and things like that, like you'll want a dead or alive, man. Like you know, like like it doesn't matter what's behind you or whatnot. You're always gonna be on the road. It's gonna be whatever else. And, like you know, yeah, like the verse is like the story, and, and the yeah, chorus and is like, like he's, a he's telling a story, and that's like a, a part story of, than a statement. Yeah, and so like like that's like part of like you know it makes you feel like oh yeah I'm wanted dead or alive or whatever you know like you like you feel like it has well, attitude you know what it means to be wanted dead or alive yeah and so like and that could and yeah. I mean that song means so many different things to so many different people because it has those hooks um, and with certain uh, with certain other songs like uh, in the air tonight uh, it has like you know it has all those like you know feelings and whatnot in it like you know there's certain uh, like Phil Collins is telling a uh, a story about a certain relationship and things like that, and you would be heartfelt. But this is, sorry, you would be uh, like just like it, it would be hard pressed. Yeah, hard pressed. Thank you. Like it, it would be impossible to find someone who does not relate to a love song in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. um, because it has those hooks. Like in that certain like in the, there's like certain lyrics uh, that are like, oh man, I remember you that one time where. This and this and this yeah, and this I mean, and this. this and everybody or, or that or that one riff that like you know holy crap they gave me goosebumps or whatever you know like like certain things like that. Mm, and the riffs that give you goosebumps or like what gives me goosebumps is like knowing what a song is about and then having it come on at a time that it really matters. Mm. It happens and, sometimes, and, and that's why in certain shows and whatnot, like you know that's why TV uses certain songs. They they buy the copyright and they use it because one. It relates to whatever the hell's happening on screen, and it has those. Uh, oh man, that just fits perfectly right there. And like that's why certain, like that's why I like movie soundtracks or game soundtracks because mm-hmm. um, it just fits so freaking well in certain scenarios. And if you try to watch a movie with no soundtrack, it's just like it's so deadpan. It's yeah. so dry. It's like I don't. What is this? I, I is don't this finish a movie? the movie. It's not a movie anymore. <laughs> I don't finish the movie. Music like, it, makes the movie. It's so good. Yeah, no, it's, and, and that's why I love Twister and whatnot. He's awesome. It's awesome. He's such a like another just super wholesome dude. I mean, he's oh, just yeah. down to rock. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter as long mm-hmm. as we can rock. That's like Sammy Hagar's vibe. That's, that's, that's Sammy Hagar for you. Um, but anyway, so um, and, and that's what I like to do. <clears throat> and that's what I like to do with uh, songwriting, where it just um, like I I try and build almost a character in a way. Um, whether that character is myself or someone else, that like, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, but with uh, all we are, like I uh, basically refer to myself a lot in the third person, um, and basically wrote a story where I'm like, hey, I know for a fact I'm not alone out here when it comes to like certain things and moving on from just toxic relationships, whether it be romantic or not, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I left it pretty neutral to. You know, oh, someone else can relate to whatever this, so, you know, this reminds me of my time with my dad or my mom or whatever or something. Like, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, and so that's why I left it kind of neutral, um, but the lyrics can still mean one thing to one person, um, but it, it can mean something totally different to me or totally different to you or whatever. It, 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 again, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the, but the lyrics have those hooks in them, and by those hooks, I mean, like, it um, like certain things, like it, it's like a certain um, speck of truth, uh, like where you just say it how it is, um, and it just either like one, it uh, um, it's either brutally honest or it's super sad or it's super, um, I don't know, like it's it super could be insightful. 
that, or insightful or something. Like, you know, it just, like, it, it means something to someone. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why I kind of wrote it the way it is. I know it's super simple, um, but uh, all we are, stay tuned. Um, coming soon. <laughs> coming soon. Uh, um, but, um, no, it, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to say it how it is. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I'm like, you know what? Let's get Mike to throw a couple chords on here and see what happens. Um, and I knew that, um, I'm pretty sure it's mostly an A, isn't it? D. And well, or is yeah, it? And, D, and D and A are very closely related in the major scale. So. Okay, yeah, so, like, I, I, it's super simple, like, it, like, I didn't want it to be overcomplicated, because I'm like, no, this is just an honest, wholesome thing, and, like, I don't want it to be overcomplicated, and, you know what, it doesn't have to be. And I think that is one of the best ones that we have so far. That's that and start again. I, I like I really like it because it's something that is definitely just different than what we normally do. There's no guitar solo in it, which I'm like kinda grateful for. I'm like I have to you just play some great. chords. I'm like this is like you just gotta slam when I make noise, like you know That's <laughs> it. Great awesome. Do I, do I guess I can join the band now, you know, and I can just slam when I make noise, you know, whatever. Um but no, anyway, so like it's uh it it, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what, I'm not gonna worry about this, I'm not gonna worry about that. I'm just gonna write something that's wholesome, that's honest, that's whatever, and I am amazed on how well it's turned out so far. Yeah. I wish I could run the lyrics a little bit better, but I mean, <laughs> I mean whatever. It's more practice. That's just, that comes with time, whatever. I'm not hard pressed about it, but. I no, think it's that it's, it's a good song because every part of it helps you like understand what the song is about. Everything kind of contributes to the experience of the song, which is yeah. really important for a good song. That's what you talk about, like, and stuff, is that it really makes you experience the song. Like, that's why you want to listen to it, because, like, I hear this, I relate to it, or I understand what you're going through, or I relate to this into some other way, you know? Sometimes it's really weird how it kind of comes out. And up. all in all, like, my point is here, um, like, with those creative elements, with those little hooks in there, you're closer to what, in my opinion, is a uh, hit. Um, and I don't think hit's not a bad word for it, um, because I think Start Again is honestly one that is, I guarantee you, at some point in time is going to get radio play. It's, it's pretty it's good. Going to get, I think it's, it's just really simple. It's going to get streams. Like, um, oh, I get it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Here we go, it's a good song. And, and, and Start Again, honestly, uh, like, it's very, very similar to All We Are. Um, but it's not, like, it's a completely different tempo, it's a completely different, uh, message. And, um, I, I, I'm honestly grateful that, uh, me and Mike kind of teamed up on it. I think we all kind of teamed up on it, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It started out as this project I was working on on my computer for, like, a solo thing. Yeah. I called it Soul Food. And ah, at one point, Michael was over, and we, I was just showing him what I had been working on. And he's like, this is pretty cool, so I like, put it in a different folder. And then he asked about it again, and I was like, well, I don't know, I haven't really done anything with it. Let's like make it into something. And then, yeah, he came up with the verse part, and probably the chorus part. I think he wrote like most of it. After that, I kind of started the ball rolling. Mm -hmm. I think, what one took me? I was over at his house once, and I... What was it? Queen of Hearts. We were working on Queen of Hearts. I, I totally thought it was starting again, but no, it was Queen of Hearts. Um, and I think that one, it may or may not. Uh, I, I think next to start, I think starting again is going to be the 
first percent gold at this new thing. I honestly think that. I think it would make sense. Clean of Hearts, I think, is a very close number two. Um, and if all we are, it shines out to be something that great, if not, whatever. I honestly, I, I think it's, it has something that um, is completely different. Um, but uh, Clean of Hearts definitely uh, is definitely going to be a, a, probably a crop loser. I, I honestly think that's going to be your um, all my life on this one. Um, that's a little Foo Fighters reference there, but um, no, but I think that one's going to be uh, um, definitely a great opener when it comes to um, something, uh, when it comes to you guys are playing at a festival and you need a great opener. Uh, you guys have a couple great openers. That and uh, Break It On is a great opener, but also a great closer too. Like, it's great to... Taylor! Hello, someone here? I've got, I've got a company. Hello?
not a push comes to shove, I had to do this in the bar scene a little bit uh, with uh, one gentleman who uh, decided to throw my head in the ATM and call it a day. Um, it was to the point where I had to adopt a different persona. I'm like, okay, I should have been way more assertive and stand my ground and this and this and this. Uh, and I did not know that at the time. I paid the price. Uh, and that's why you uh, have a certain amount of assert like assertiveness when it comes to, hey, you know, we're here, we're doing a business transaction. Uh, even though I'm only a cashier at your local McDonald's and whatnot, but a lot of people actually like that. I've had people tell me, hey, this kid's not like your stereotypical teenager and whatnot at your local McDonald's. Um, it, uh, holy crap, you know, this guy actually has a little bit of promise. I, I see this kid going places, and I've been told this. Hmm. Um, like, I've had people pull me to the side and whatnot, like you. I, I don't see you working here that, like, that often. Like, you think, like, I had a guy, um, I was working at, um, at, I was working in the drive-thru at the time, uh, early morning and whatnot, I'm like, I thought we were going to go for you and whatnot, so, like, I would, like, I, I would, you know, do my thing and whatnot, and, um, he pulls out around to the window and whatnot, and he's like, you have a great radio voice, you really do, <laughs> and, uh, and so, I'm like, oh, well, thank you, sir, and whatnot, and so, like, you know, I have a strange we talk and whatnot, and so I'm like, yeah, no, actually, you know, I'm actually kind of interested in radio and whatnot, like, I was kind of, I was focusing on, uh, um, like a lot of things going on, I'm friends with uh, uh, actually my good buddy Tony, who actually works for Z989 and whatnot, and uh, like you know just the way he talks and whatnot, and he's kind of uh, showing me a little thing here or there and whatnot. And it was just you know like you just adopt a certain charisma, and like you know it, it's not that big a deal. And you basically talk like you're talking to your best buddy. Um, sometimes that's not always the best case on live radio, but I mean. Uh, <laughs> No, no, it's to the point where it's like, you know what, this is kind of cool, and it's alright to talk like this all the time. The Zap and Tony Morning Show is just like, it's awesome. it's so awesome. good. Like, there's a certain amount of, uh... Supreme. There's just I wouldn't a, change it for anything. There's not <laughs> There's not Well, I mean, uh, I'm pretty sure they'll end up changing it here or there, or not, like, with certain... All good things come to an end eventually, that's right? True, but it's just hopefully not crazy. anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Not one around, but... No, it's to, it's um, like I've adopted certain personas and whatnot through uh, through many of the years, and it's uh, I don't know. I'm talking like an old man now, but <laughs> back no, I'm back in my. Oh, I've been through so much. Yeah, to the point now where I can't even shit by myself, and uh, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, no, it's 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 the point now where I'm like, you know what? I it is what it is, and I at first I hated that saying. It is what it is. But it is what it is. I mean, really. <laughs> I've said it many times. I just accept life. It's to the point now where I'm like, you know what? I don't care what happens anymore uh, with a certain uh, level of um, customer service under my belt and with uh, certain things that have and haven't happened um, with a lot of things. And now with uh, relationships changing and certain uh, experiences with, uh, like, you know, I'm not with a bar band now. I'm with like a whole new band or whatnot that I actually can create stuff with. Mm -hmm. um, that helps with a lot of uh, persona changes and attitude changes, and uh, and for the better. Um, like even with uh, um, like I was always like believe it or not, I was the scared kid, and like all through high school, I was scared of this, scared of this, and really like I'm gonna get trouble from that. Uh, staff here at the restaurant, I may order the wrong thing, or the waitress might get mad at me, or you know, oh, that's that's totally irrational. Like, I was like, I was scared of everything. Um, but now it's like, huh? They should be scared of me because I'm about to ask them a whole bunch of questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's to the point where I 
I keep saying it's to the point where I, I'm so sorry, I keep repeating myself, but... Well, that means um, you, you're at, like, this path where you're, like, blazing a new trail for yourself. And I am, and... Uh, so every step, it's like, now I'm at the point where this, and now I'm at the point where this, and it's always increasing. And it's, and it's always moving forward, and, and, and it's for the better. And it, it is for the better. Um, and, oh, yeah, brother. And it is what it is. <laughs> yes. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't forget that tattoo somewhere one day. It's for God, but... Um, but no, it's like living in each moment and, um, and just in, enjoying things for what they are right now. And, uh, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm pretty content with how things are and, uh, things are changing again, uh, and for the better, um, like with a lot of, uh, personal stuff going on with a lot of, uh, um, I don't know, like just with things changing and I believe a lot for the better. Like, I got a lot of events coming up now. We got that gig at Leah's on the 23rd, right? Yes. And Friday. I'm super stoked for that. Um, Leah's Bar and Grill, look it up. Um, they have really good food there. I have never been there. They have really good food. I have walked past it many a times. I've never been there. And then there's another gig. Uh, oh, I don't know like if anybody knows, but it's kind of that's a private one though. It's a private gig. Then we have a private gig, but we're we're looking for some more gigs in like the fall and the winter. Coming around in September the next year. Let's fill up September. Let's. Uh, um, That'd be cool. Let's not fall asleep during September and wake up when it ends. Uh, no, we can sleep <laughs> when it's September. Let's sleep when we're dead. <laughs> um, but yeah, there ain't no rest for the wicked. Exactly. I love music because there's always something to learn from it. It is. Like, Ain't Wrong Rest for the Wicked. Like, I feel like that song has, like, blossomed within myself now. Like, <laughs> when I was a teenager, I slept as much as possible. Now, I get, like, like I think I can do this, and I can still do this. <laughs> and I can still get a good four hours, you know, it's all good. Um, Check mark. Okay, I'm awake, and I'm going. <laughs> after that, uh, after, um, tomorrow, after the, uh, Calgary trip there, I'm looking at maybe a four or five hour sleep, if I'm lucky. Because uh, your boy works at 6 a.m. the next morning. Fuck. <laughs> uh, I tried to get out of that. I may or may not call him and be like, hey, I'm going to be late. I'll be there at 7. But uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. I really, really hope uh, I can extend my... Um, I, I really hope Joe can pull things through for me and be like, yeah, I can start at 7. It's all good. You know, not going to write you out for this or whatever. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I may or may not get in trouble for being late. I don't know yet. Uh, we'll find out. Um, I've been good. I've been a good boy so far. So, I should have a little leeway. I really hope so. Um, but anyway, not gonna worry about it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, things are not too bad. Um, definitely got, uh, you have a new lady in your life now. Yes. So, yeah, um, happy to be there. Happy <laughs> for myself, too. So. Yeah, no, I, I was kind of looking like things were just gonna be in the gutter, and I was like, I don't that care was, anymore. That was me. That was and me. then somehow she was on the same page, and then we like we matched, and it was like, oh, you're like this too. Okay, well, see, in the time I, I had a similar situation. I was actually talking with uh, Sarah um, about this, and I was just bitching to her, and she was probably getting tired of me bitching and complaining. But um, I don't bitch at her much at all anymore. Um, I wasn't like blaming her. I think I was just expressing like feelings about this, feelings about that, and this and that. And I was just I was complaining, lots of complaining. And uh, funny enough, like the next, I think the next day, um, 
I think uh, Skylar actually messaged me. She's seen my bandex. And she messaged me on Instagram. And I'm like, <laughs> Whoa, who the like fuck is this now? Some cross-platform nation. Yeah, yeah, right? And so like, she took the time to actually book my ass up. And she found you on Instagram, too, after seeing you on bandex. Wow. Um, I may or may I don't think I had much on there. I gotta add more stuff on there. You got a lot of selfies on your Instagram. Do I? I think so. I have no idea. You don't post a whole lot. It's either like I'm a big picture. I lost interest. Like I follow people. Selfie. I don't. I don't worry or about like, Instagram. Or like coffee. Or I don't even remember. Right. So actually, my Metallica mug broke. I took a picture of that the day before my Metallica mug broke. I was fucking pissed about that. My Master of Puppets mug. That's your mug. And I, know, I got a Nirvana one now. Oh, that's pretty good. So yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. It's not Metallica though. So yeah. But anyway, so. Yeah, no, she actually messaged me through uh, Instagram, and uh, and so like I'm like, oh, cool, you know, she actually singing, I'm like, she's actually fucking cute, okay, cool. And so, um, like, she sent me a bunch of videos of her singing, and I'm like, she can belt, what the fuck? It's like a little more interest, I'm like, she can actually belt? I want to see her do this, I'm like, now, I'm like, right, and so, like, she's going to point with me now, holy shit, and so, um, and so she sent me, um, a few covers, I forget what she's doing, um, but I seen uh, um, a few. Of, I think she did a couple of maybe Oscar songs. I have no idea. But uh, but yeah, no, she like she's super into punk. I was like, holy shit, you know, like I'm, so I got the second band idea. Fuck, I'm gonna actually rehash that idea. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, cool. Get your heart on, Mike. Here we go. Light a fire under the ass. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, awesome. So like, finally something I can actually work towards. Um, but uh, so like. I think as soon as uh, we actually, um, uh, I think I invited her to the one practice there. That's where we actually first actually met. Um, where I invited her to the practice to come watch me play. That way she actually knows I can actually play with the shit. Um, so I'm like, okay, perfect. I'll invite her to fucking rehearsal, whatever. Um, and so I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, but like right after that, um, like we like I, we kept like locking eyes here and there and whatnot. And she stops like, she actually like. No, oh, she's actually checking. Oh, she's actually checking me out. Okay, cool. So, I okay, cool. And so, oh shit. Um, but uh, so, and I've never had this before. Like, I've never had like someone actually take a general interest in my ass. Usually, I'm the one chasing. Usually, the gentleman's chasing the tail, right? That's usually how it works. Since day one, since the dawn of time. Um, but no, the tables have turned now. And I'm like, oh shit, I better actually play good. Holy fuck. Um, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. Don't fuck, yeah. No. <laughs> so, like, Every nose, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up, don't fuck up. And yeah, no, it's just like, yeah, that's how I'm kicking the beat now. So I'm like, oh god. So, anyway. Whatever um, works. So that was the motivation to actually be, holy shit, man, you gotta fucking get her on a fucking song and stuff. Yeah, no. Um, so, like, that made me kick my ass even more. And that's where I'm like, okay, um, now you got a reason to play good because you got to make sure she's actually impressed to start this second band thing. And um, as far as I can remember, I think that's when, uh, um, I think we shortly after that, like we actually, uh, I got her snap and got this other stuff and um, I grabbed her number and we just got talking, talking more and more and more. And uh, she generally is actually um, like interested in like, you know, certain other topics and all this other stuff that I'm like, you know, I'm actually agreeing with for once because half the time I'm usually listening to just rambling on, rambling on. Daddy problems, daddy problems, daddy problems, all this other stuff. And I'm like, hey, I'm used to the woe is me story, right? Not with her. There's no woe is me story here. I'm like, what? You're not complaining? 
Okay, continue. <laughs> wow! <laughs> so, like, yeah. Uh, so I felt, you know, actually about, about music. Like, it got talking legit about music and all this other stuff. And, like, I'm actually, like, you know, I'm actually intrigued. I'm like, holy shit, she's actually not complaining yet. She's not complaining. And so, like, as stupid as that sounds, um, 99% of my dates have always become a woe is me story. Every single one of them. Um, there's a problem about this, problem about this, I'm miserable about this, I got three kids I can't feed, I got daddy issues, it's like... Yeah, like sports, yeah, like whatever. <laughs> Is there anything normal here? Is there anything normal God. in this category of conversation? But like, still, Skyler's not on really normal, but she's like weird. No, but she's, she's weird, but in her own way, she's unique, and like... I'm in a positive way. And in a positive way. And I'm like, holy shit, like she's actually... Like I did a podcast with her just the other day. I, I heard about that. And so it's uh, like, I'm like, holy shit, like she's actually, like she generally invests in the conversation. She actually is intriguing. Um, and I was blown away. And like now that uh, I've gendered her a few times and now that she actually like, like, I, like we just had like a one-on-one where uh, I, like we'd throw on karaoke tracks or something like that. And... Uh, that way she could just like she could just sing like she could just do her thing. Um, she, she just you know I'm like take the stage like the light is on you go ahead and so I push play and went on and she just took off. I'm like she can go holy shit and so like she, and she's good like she actually is in the pocket she is all there and I'm like I wish I could hit record I wish I had like my audio like interface and fuck it all up like right here and just hit record. <laughs> Right and so I and she she okay um what the hell did we do? Um, she did uh, eyes wide open by something I forget the artist's name but uh, isn't that like a Creed song? I no um, arms wide open. No, that's arms wide open. Uh, this is um, eyes wide open by something I forget. I it's more like a pop song. But uh, anyway, so like um uh, she did a cover. Of, I think it's on her Facebook actually. Um, uh, she did a cover of that and. Um, uh, and she hits the notes every time. We took like five takes. Like she wanted me to get her, like, uh, like she wanted me to film her actually doing it. And uh, like she hit like all these notes like every single time. Like and there's a couple of them where she has to really belt. She hits that every single time. And we did that like five or six times, and every single time she hit, every single time. She's got a good pitch. She's got great like either pitch or um, like. Uh, sorry, like a good ear, um, like she can hear what note she has to hit. Projection or whatever, like she really, like, you know, it, it comes right from the gut, too. And she uh, does project. We uh, uh, had a jam, and it definitely, like, she fills the whole space of the room. And with you can actually hear her with guitars yeah. going and shit like that, and, like, she really gets up, like, she, she can sing over a couple instruments. Yeah, and, as long, uh, like, as long as she knows the, the song, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was surprised because I shut her up by playing Everlong. I was like, oh, why don't we play a song everybody knows? Everlong. I was like, being that guy, I guess. <laughs> no, that's And it's fucking, she's like, I don't know it that much. I was like, oh, wow. Okay, let's play I Love Rock and Roll, I guess. Yeah, no, <laughs> she still barely knew it. And I was like, wow. She. I thought my music taste was like super open. Like, a lot of people know it. She's just like, she in this comes, other she's spot. It's like. Lot. And Way more like simple plan and stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, she's cut from a bit of a different cloth, and that's what I kind of actually find attractive. It's because uh, she um, is not your stereotypical yoga pant wearing chick nowadays. Um, with uh, and yes, I will talk with oh, shit on fucking yoga pants. 
with Uggs and everything else. Do you even do yoga? And yeah, no sis. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, no, I just change it up. And so, um, and I remember like there was a few other ladies uh, that I was not um, really into, like I don't know because they listened to metal or something like that. Like I would just like I would I would fall in head fucking first, um, and just. I even told, okay, I even had a couple buddies of mine tell me, dude, she's trouble. I guarantee you, like, she will, like, either break your heart or whatever else. And I wrote two songs about this chick, too. Um, both, actually, uh, are going to be on the next album. Um, and I did not listen. And I should have fucking listened to my good buddy, Eric, who was like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And, of course, she, dumbass like myself, I fucking did it. And, uh, and so she actually just recently blocked me on literally everything. And I'm like, I should have done that a long time ago. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't even think of doing that dumb thing, but, uh, no, anyway, but, uh, it, it, I'm like, you know what? Like, we, we talked for over a year and a half. And we never went on one date. Wow. For a year and a half. That's and, terrible. Uh, she would back out yeah, every... Super disappointing. Yeah, and, like, she would... Back out of every little thing. Every little multiple thing. times you made plans, right? Yep. I would, I would try to. And I was always book off work. I would do this, Kate. You know, um, <clears throat> I can come around and pick you up at such and such time. And, like, you know, like either <clears throat> either the day before um, or like five minutes after we make a solid plan. Like, you know, oh, sorry, you know, I'm not going to you know, do this or whatever. She would come up with some bullshit excuse or just like not get back to me. Um, during the time, like, she would either, like, flat out ghost me, or what, or, like, whatnot, or something like that, but I understand being, um, uh, a, a lady in the social media world nowadays. I their, their inboxes are filled to the fucking brim with horny guys. I don't know what that's like. That's probably just so much. And then there's the guys side of the thing. There, there's, like, like the guys. Where find the good? Yeah, um. There's a lot of bad. If I could show you the inboxes of a girl's cell phone compared to a guy's cell phone. Guy's cell phones are filled <laughs> with uh, work shit and maybe like four girls. Girls' inbox are filled with 99% um, of the time shopping shit and a fuck ton of horny guys. That is 99% of the time they're inboxes. Um, now it may vary on, may, it may vary on the lady. Um, and yes, I refer to them as ladies, not women or girls. They are ladies. Um, All of them? And most of them. <laughs> most of them. Um, not all of them. No, no, no. A lot of them are spoiled or fucking like whatever else. But anyway, so. Um, but yeah, no, it, it got to the point where I'm like, you know what? This is a big ass lesson learned. I was pissed about it. Um, and that's what mostly I was complaining to like my good friends are about and whatever else. Um, yeah, no, anyway, so, all is well now, though, like, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just happy that I have found someone who's more, like, um, I don't know, just more unique and actually just herself, and that's honestly what I can also just ask for, so, and she can sing, too, so, I'm, I'm super excited for that, so. You just go. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna be alright, so. Mm-hmm. Happy for you, you got a lady, and, uh, yeah, no, it, it's. Uh, super stuff for you. Happy for myself. Nice. I was looking way down, and then all of a sudden I was looking way up. <laughs> <laughs> so good. That's awesome.
yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for the things in life and just life in general. Always try to practice gratefulness and thankfulness, even when I have like barely anything. Even when I'm just like, I'm, I'm definitely going to survive the next couple of weeks, and that's a good thing. You know what? If it's on ramen noodles, it's I'm on ramen noodles. Grateful. I'm, gra- I'm grateful for those ramen noodles. I got a roof over my head. Yeah, exactly. you know, like I got, I got enough stuff to just keep going. So I'm always grateful. Right. And I'm definitely grateful for having somebody that I feel really close to and like intimate with, and that I can bring in to that special place that nobody else can come to. <laughs> Pretty much. That's not, that's I'm not going to lie. As fucked as that is, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I was a stall. I was trying to like put it in a different way, but I'm just saying, you got it. <laughs> But yeah, no, anyway, it's, uh, I don't know, I, I have so much more to be in a relationship, though. When you're thinking, like, long-term, it's like, all of it, it's like teaming up. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's also a huge thing for inspiration, too. Uh, I think I get, uh, I get to the point where if I really, really need like some kind of inspiration or something like that, I really look to artists that are now past. And there's certain like I don't wanna I don't I don't wanna say messages, but um there's a lot of um uh I guess information that um Jimi Hendrix had, that uh um Janice Joplin had, Kirk Cobain, like all these guys that uh So, um, but uh, and it's kind of funny how 
Um, I've yet to meet other big Nickelback fans. Besides people that have grown up with them, like, they just know, it's like, oh yeah, I know that one, I know that one. Yeah, I know, it's that song again, it's all good, I know. Like, me and Chad actually talked about, it, like, a, like, a bunch of stuff before he actually went into the studio and did that, and this, and this, and this. Um, it's like, can I hear any more stories from the road, or, like, it's, uh, <laughs> um, like, it's just, like, certain things like that. Like, there's, like, almost a, um, a normality with, uh, uh, like, growing up with guys that kind of grew up with them and like you hear certain things that uh, no, you're not like an inside ear it's almost like an inside ear yeah essentially um, but uh, like I look at it now and I hear certain things um, that uh, like you know I know exactly what they're talking about in that song from that story that I was just told four days ago <laughs> um, like with uh, I only heard that once but it was with Never Again well yeah and, like, which was, is like a pretty well known one like one of the yeah and that and too bad and uh, certain songs from so like i don't know i actually don't know which member of the band has all these experiences though but, uh, like, mostly it was you know, like, mostly it was chad and mike um uh there was a certain uh i think who it was, it was chad's mom who worked at the cafe on main street and uh um i think uh, her and mike um I don't know if Mike worked there too. I'm pretty sure both uh, both Mike and Chad works at the same uh, cafe, um, at least very briefly. Or at least they were there to help or whatever. They probably didn't get paid for it. Um, but um, I know, uh, um, that, like, it, it, like, at least for me, I don't know exactly what went on at the time. I know I have a pretty damn good um, educated guess. Um, but at least for me, um, almost word for word with the song Too Bad um, that was basically um, essentially very fucking close to what I was kind of going through at the same time. Not back in the 90s, but like for me it was like 2010, somewhere in there. Um, like my mom <laughs> quite literally worked at a cafe on Main Street in Rocky Mountain House. Um, and I would go there, and like even in the music video, like you see the kid growing up with his mom, and uh, he's there helping out um, at, at the said cafe and things like that. I'm like, I'm essentially this fucking kid. Oh my god! So like, you know, it just it hit home, like square on. <laughs> and uh, there was a time where I couldn't listen to uh, Never Again. Like I, 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 I seriously, I would tear up and be like, I gotta change. Like it was just, it was that impactful. And like certain things that uh, like that I have no problem with now, but at the time they were a little sensitive, and uh, there's just certain elements with it that I'm like I just can't hear that. Like I, there's even certain things to this day now that I can't listen to. I can't listen to um, bad police radio calls because like it just I I, I can't hear that. Like I can't hear that shit. Mm -hmm. But like you know there's. And I think a lot of people have certain uh, things like that that they either can't watch, can't see, can't uh, you know read, or certain things like that. Like, yeah, there's a lot of people that I know that can't watch horror movies to this day, and they're grown men. <laughs> it's like you know, either it was traumatic as a like they had an experience very similar to what was going on in the movie as a child, or something like that. Like you know, like certain traumas and whatnot, they kind of stay with you. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't want to feel scared again. And then, like, and yes. I, I got it. Like, it makes it real. Like, 
like either they relive it's it. It's like or, a, a flashback. Yeah. It's like you said, reliving it. When Never Again, though, is one of those songs that gives me chills almost every time that I listen to it because I don't listen to it very often. I only listen to it when it's time to listen to it, and it's like just gives me chills. Just knowing that it's a true story and everything, it's like just imagining that, and and knowing some people that maybe have been to something close to that. I mean, like I can, I can listen to it now, um, but again, yeah, there was a time where I'm like, I gotta canvas this, not like for like, I think it was a full year, year and a half or whatever. I can listen to it. I would just get right to Iron Mind. Mm. Um, I remember when that was popular. I was in grade three. <laughs> I, <laughs> so yeah, so tiny. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I was living in Springbrook at the time, and I came on the radio, and I'm like, who are these guys? And like, I was singing like before I even knew, oh, that was Nickelback. Oh, cool. I remember hearing, uh, they played back-to-back, Leader of Men and Higher Mind. And, uh, and I'm like, these guys are actually kind of cool. Interesting. And so shortly after that, you know, I actually moved to Rocky and, uh, or well, not Rocky, Leslieville, and, um, which is like just like 20 minutes outside of um, Rocky. And, uh, yeah, no, it was a... Uh, it was an interesting time for that, like for me, like I was still like, um, like I, I listened to ZZ Top, I listened to, there was a fuck ton of Bon Jovi in my playlist for a while, like I, I got, uh, my first album ever was Slippery When Wet. Okay. <laughs> um, and I listened to that thing on my little tiny stereo, my little tiny boombox, uh, um, which I think my mom still has somewhere, but it's beat to hell. Mm. But I played the hell out of that CD on repeats. What were some of the hits on that CD? Let it rock, you give all the bad name, living on prayer, uh, social disease, wanted dead or alive, raise your hands, without love, I'd die for you, and Bob in the streets. You know, in that order. <laughs> in that order. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, there was a lot of hair metal. <laughs> I definitely um, listened to a lot of hair metal too. I don't know. I don't know why. I liked it. It's, it's pretty cool. Molly Crew, you know, Quiet Riot, White Snake. My mom had an eighties uh um, box set. Um, she had a bunch of cassettes, and she, uh, like I had a ghetto blaster that had the cassette player built in, and uh, like I, I wired in all the speakers because the cables were ripped out, so I rewired them. And so she got out of yard stuff for ten bucks, and so I'm like, oh cool, so I rewired that. And um, she had a big. Uh, I could probably bring over the case of uh, cassettes that she still has. Um, they're sitting in my room actually right now, and um, I, I was going through. Um, Alanis Morissette, uh, Alana Miles, uh, David Bowie, um, Bon Jovi, Several of Wet, Odd Cassette, uh, Quiet Riot, White Snake, uh, Skid Row, Skid Row. Um, a lot of easy Top, there's a lot of, uh, um, tell, there was Van Halen, David E. Roth's, uh, um, uh, Even Smile, I, I think so, um, uh, let me his first one. Was that his first one? I don't think it was his first one. Maybe it was the self-titled one? I, I have no idea. Maybe it was like a great hits or something, I don't know. But there was David B. Roth in there, there was a whole bunch of others. Um, and yeah, I listened to a fuck ton of 80 stuff uh, all growing up too. Um, this is all in like the early 2000s too. Like I, um, like I wasn't paying attention to Linkin Park or anything like that, not until like, the, like until about high school hit. I'm like, oh, this came out like four years ago. Back in, when I was like listening to the shit down the 70s. Okay, cool. Mm. Um, but uh, Ted Nugent was in there too. Huge Ted Nugent guy. I can see Chris. But uh, okay. I'll be right back. For a pee break. Ah! I drank too much beer, I guess.
I heard that out here. <laughs> Fucking wife. Oh, Jesus. Did you wipe? No, that's over with. I gotta ask, do you think you were born to play music? Well, both my, um, my mom played, uh, keyboards and bass and sang, uh, back in a few bands way back in the late 70s or the 80s. And, um, she had, uh, one band called No Small Affair and one called, uh, um, oh, what the hell was it? Um, no small affair, and there was another one. Um, oh, so I'm saying that's not It starts with an A, um, I think. <laughs> anyway, so she was in a couple of bands in the back line, and okay. one of them, uh, um, actually, one of them was, uh, um, opening for, um, Atlanta Miles in Toronto, I think. Actually, they may have been across Canada. I'm not too sure. It's a question for her. Atlanta um, Miles' big hit was Black Velvet, right? Black Velvet. She had a few ones called, uh, there was Black Velvet, Love Is, Stuck Up This Thing For You, and a few, I think a couple others. But uh, as far as I know, she still plays, as far as I know. Um, but anyway, so, uh, yeah, I know Black Velvet was a huge thing for her, and, uh, she kind of toured on the back of that for a little bit, and I don't know which um, I don't know which uh, band it was. Um, uh, Vendetta. That was the other band. Okay. Vendetta. That's cool name. Um, yeah. So she uh, she was a part of a couple of them. Um, my dad was also a bass player. He's still a bass player. Um, still does the whole bar scene and whatnot as well. Um, I don't know, he wasn't very, um, as far as I know, didn't really get much of anywhere. Um, neither of them, really. I think my mom had a, a shit possible uh, record deal from what she told me, um, but she turned it down. I uh, don't know why. But, uh, I don't know, then, I guess everything happens for a reason. But, uh, yeah, I know, I, to this day, she's still a huge inspiration, but... Um, with, uh, like, I know that's very cliche to say, but, I mean, with, uh, everything that she's gone through, uh, which no person should go through, um, uh, she still has her love for music, she still has her love for her kids, um, she just, I don't know, like, she just is still to this day unbroken, even though she has been through hell and fucking back. Um, a tough woman. She is a very much a tough woman, and uh, she still inspires me. And some days I'm wondering why how she hasn't kicked my ass out of the house yet, or um, she loves you. And that'd be too much. But um, but yeah, no, my dad not so much. Um, he kind of he missed out on quite a few things. Uh, the uh, um. The me giving a shit boat has long since sailed. Um, I think he lost his chance, uh, which is too bad for him because I think uh, 
I'm very much a man that he would have been proud of. Um, and I don't know. But I mean, like, I don't think he, from what I could tell, he didn't want kids to begin with. Um, he didn't want the uh, responsibility. He didn't want anything to do with it. Um, but uh, he uh, made his choices, and here we are. So, I mean, I mean, I'll, I still play nice guy, just because I am. Um, I still have that level of respect, even though... Um, I mean, I respect you for that. I mean, um, you're just like, I mean, no matter what. There's a certain level of respect that I have for everybody until you give me a reason not to, you know, play nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with uh, um, with that being said, he played a certain card where uh, um, it's like, oh, yeah, no, you're my kid, and, you know, everything is all well, hunky-dory and shit like that. I, you know, you probably don't remember what happened way back when, right? Yeah, I'm gonna play nice guy. I'm gonna act like nothing's really happened. Fuck you, man. <laughs> uh, with the amount of uh, bullshitter that's coming out of your mouth right now, I uh, soon realized, oh, he's very much a hypocrite. Okay. Um, probably just trying to feel comfortable. Probably just trying to, yeah. And everything's awkward. So it's yeah, like, might as well just get, to the just get to the beans, man. <laughs> And usually, usually that's where I go to. I'm like, so bullshit aside, um, and I think one day, I mean, we'll have a very serious conversation, and I really hope he watches this words carefully, because uh, I don't need assault charges. Wow. <laughs> I don't need. Uh, I don't need. <clears throat> I don't need murder charges. Challenge him to a duel. <laughs> uh, right. All right. Ten paces. Here we go. Um, yeah. That's. Uh, that's. That's, I think uh, you could still duel in Canada. I don't know. And right, yeah, no, we're still even eighteen twelve. Right, guys, yeah, no, we got this. Uh, fencing, here we go. Yeah, fencing. Really though, there's some no. old ass rules that you can still exploit. I died. Yeah, right. That's why. That's why we are where we are, guys. That's why we can't defend ourselves here in Canada. Oh, yeah, I hate no. exploitation though. No, there's there comes a time where um, no, I. Uh, I, I, I trust you know this is on camera. I trust you know I'm fucking kidding. I'm not gonna go murder people. No, that's. That's, that's uh, just so stupid. That's, yeah, no, I, no. Um, but my caring capacity has long since uh, been expired. Um, he made his choices, and that's all that really. I, I don't know. I, there's just there comes a certain time where, and I guess uh, a guy's life where he's faced with a choice where you either let someone in back into your life or. You just keep moving on. And I've chosen to just keep moving on because that's, I think, the healthier choice. You're not opening up that can of worms. You're not opening up that old life of fucking misery and rabbit holes and everything else. That's where I'm like, you know what? I I don't know. Like, if we end up having a serious conversation and whatnot, he, he won't like what he hears. He won't. Uh, because um, I think uh, he thinks he still has done nothing wrong. Um, I think he thinks that... Uh, um, oh, you know, you know, the wife has, you know, fucked me over since blah, 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 play, like, play the blame game, right? And I'm not saying that there's not faults on both sides. I'm not saying that. Because, uh, you know, you guys got divorced, so obviously both of you fucked up somewhere down the line, right? Um, so, it do- but it doesn't matter, because, you know, here we are today. So, and, like, all that shit, sure, it mattered then, but it doesn't matter now. So, why bitch about it? Here we are now, what are we going to do to fix the in the now? Mm-hmm. Can't really fix the past, but you can fix in the now. So yeah, I think that admitting that he fucked up would be a big step. 
to doing something to sure, kind of like help. But he has my number. I have his number. I've called him on multiple occasions. Has he called me? No. He just doesn't know what to say. But he probably does. Figure it's, it out. I'm sorry. I fucked up. Either I think I was a terrible something. Like, you know, like uh, I want to do better. Like fuck. Here's man. a gesture. Like I'm, I'm still alive. You're still alive. Are we gonna do this or not? Like fuck. Like it's up to you, pal. But I'm no, still no, trying he, to forgive myself for this. He has no. He he thinks he's done nothing wrong. Um and he's, in, he's very he's much a hypocrite. What happened was obviously super wrong. You don't you don't throw your kids up and down the stairs. You don't slam fucking fingers on the doors. You don't just smack them around. You don't pin them up again. You don't pin their mom up to the fucking wall and choke her half to death. You don't make her go to work after her surgery. After a, after a birth that has nearly killed her. Yeah, she nearly died in childbirth, by the way. Holy fuck. And he's like, go to work! And exactly. That's exactly what he said. And um, there were certain things that uh, were very um, intimate that kids should not have seen. Um, there were certain things where um, I was like, I was forgotten at bars, I was forgotten at fucking Walmart. Uh, multiple DUIs later. Um, driven, like, pissed fucking drunk uh, with kids in a truck that had no seatbelts. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there were certain choices that uh, he chose to make, and, uh, I mean, child tears is out of fucking field day with this. Um, and uh, so... Yeah, no, there were certain things that just shouldn't have happened, but happened anyway. But, like I said, moving on in the now. Um, Logan, unfortunately, has had a very... Logan's my little brother. Um, Logan has had a certain uh, similar experience, but um, there were certain things that I said to myself, um, actually, when he was born. I'm like, I'm actually going to do my damnedest to make sure what happened to me doesn't happen to this kid. And, uh... Unfortunately, some things did happen, um, but it came to a stop sooner than later. Um, back, uh, back when, back when I was like 12, 13, I was dealing with dad number two. That had pretty much the same fucking problems, but in country style. <laughs> it's like, great. Another one. Great choice in men, mom. Um, but, uh, I mean, then I wouldn't be here, so I mean, you know, I, there's, there's good, that, you know, out of every tragedy, there should be something positive gained from it. I mean... Something. Doesn't matter what it is. Something positive that needs to come out of a certain tragedy. And, um, and I know that's probably really, really hard to find, but at least then, it makes the problem easier to deal with. Like, and this goes for almost every problem. Like, I mean, knowing that you've been through something tragic gives you the strength twice. to think twice. That, that you but, know you've uh, been through some fucking terrible shit, so you're looking at the rest of life like... You know what? The I world think I can is, handle this. The, the world is not that bad. <laughs> as long as it's not it's as bad as what it used to be, I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, so like, you know, and this then you've got here, some kind of like learning and wisdom, and you can say to your little brother, like, watch out for this stuff, and you know what I mean? Exactly, and so far, he's, he's a great fucking kid. He's super smart, loves cars inside and out, like... Fuck, if I need an oil change, I'll go to my little brother for Christ's sakes. Like, that's pretty cool. Um, right? And so, um, but anyway, so like, there's just certain things that um, I think a lot of folks need to realize that, um, like, despite whether it's domestic violence, despite whether it's um, some kind of abusive relationship, whether it be a boyfriend, a husband, doesn't matter. Um, even a, even a, 
even siblings. Like domestic violence exists in siblings too. Brother against sister, brother against brother, sister against sister, mom against daughter. Like you know, there's certain uh, like it, it. It's in every form. There's definitely some shit that goes down in like a bigger yeah. family and stuff, depending on who's like fuck. Shit that happened in my it family. Shit, shit happens, but I mean, I'm just me, so I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> they fight and stuff, and I'm just like, hey, can we just like exactly? And some people have a harder time fighting themselves than they do other people. And I mean, this can also be related to yourself too. Like, you know, like, oh my God, I hate myself for this and this and this and this. But what's at least one positive little thing that like, oh, I'm actually, you know, I'm all right at this or whatever. Find something like either a talent, either a, um, like something that just makes you feel good. Like if, if the situation- I mean, You can even just notice something positive about something else and like give them a compliment. And, and just exactly. Kind, and guess what? That might, from that. And sure. exactly, that might make you feel even better about something else. And like, you know, if it feels good, do it. Then you know you're a good person. You're like, just because there was a really bad person in my life doesn't mean I have to be a bad person. Exactly. I can still be like, a good and, person. And, and, and now unfortunately- it feels, good. It feels good to be a good person. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the, uh, best fucking people out there today have been through the fucking worst that life can give. Like, the, the, just the absolute worst that life can offer. Um, whether that be, um, like, just the worst home life or whatever else. Like, you know, like, the, the, there were times even in school where I didn't, like, I would rather be at school than at home. And, like, even, like, um, there were certain times where um, the officer was actually afraid to send me on the school bus to go back home. Uh, she's like, I don't know about this, but all right, you know, she would, but, uh, you know, thanks to, you know, uh, Constable Monroe was her name, like, she was just an absolute, just godsend. Um, but, uh, uh, like, that was kind of the start of, like, you know, dealing with that problem. But, uh, back to my little brother, actually, like, there were certain things that, uh, I couldn't really help control, but I could help end it. Um, so, like, I didn't really know what to do about this, you know, in this scenario, and whatnot. Um, but I remember one little thing that she told me, keep calling on one. Just keep it. It doesn't even matter if you talk about tacos or fucking like whatever else your favorite TV show. If you log that one now one call, that's locked. That's not going anywhere. Um, so um, in the like not really in the courtroom, but uh, in the, um, at the courthouse, like there was this mediation thing. Mm-hmm. The one thing that caused uh, things to bring, like be caught like or sort of be brought to light or like give proper attention to were all the nine one one calls. Oh, that one guy was right. Shit. Uh, so, like, because uh, they even said, the one lady, um, either, like, in charge of the courthouse or whatever, or, I don't know, assigned to this case, was like, so if nothing's wrong, Mr. Scott, uh, how come there's so many animal one calls from your residence? Oh, those, you know, he kept blaming me and Derek and whatnot. He kept blaming us for this and this and this and this and this. She asked, well, why? Why? Like, like, why is, like, there's obviously something wrong here. If everything's all hunky-dory and whatnot, what the hell is the problem? He had no answer. He couldn't answer anything. And so I was like, I want a lawyer. I'm like, there it is right there. So, um, needless to say, it got brought to regular courts. Uh, so, like, the proper provincial hearing or whatever. So, like, there were a few hearings that were, um, like, I think I was looking at IGA at the time. But uh, this is over a course of 10 years of, uh, of just information that was just out the wazoo. Um, and, uh, and 
and finally uh, it was just brought to the right people, and luckily we had the same judge a couple times. Did we get the same judge one? Like he knows what's going on, so we are, he's already educated on kind of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we had to create affidavits and statements and more statements and more. Like I, I remember running uh, uh, like all this lawyer, sorry, lawyer referral numbers and shit like that. I was playing lawyer for six months while doing this and working at McDonald's at the same time. Um, and there were certain uh, like documents and whatnot that you know that needed to. Like I even had audio logs of shit that was going down. Um, and so like, I remember running to make sure I was on time before the detachment closed, uh, like from one side of the Rocky to the other, uh, mom was busy working at the cafe, so I had to run down Main Street and run all the way across the truck stop and everything else. And, um, I'm running through wheat fields and shit in the mud and whatnot. Cause I see, I seen the, uh, detachment right there. I'm like, fuck this. And so I, I, I lost a shoe and I'm like, oh shit. No, <laughs> just a trooper. Fucking so no like, stopping. Go no, I'm going. I got the documents right Holy here. Shit. And so I opened the door. Luckily it was still open. And the one detachment lady, I kept getting the same detachment lady. She's like, hi Colton. What now? Here. Where's, uh, fucking, what, what was her name? Uh, <laughs> Constable Monroe? Uh, no. Um, there was one lady that I was, I was talking to with victim services who they just kept assigning me to. I'm like, where's uh, so-and-so? You know, this is all for her. She's like, oh, okay. Uh, calls her over and whatnot. She's like, okay, go on. Go on back. And so I'm like, okay. So, so go in and uh, finally, uh, like that's kind of where um, it was kind of brought from Rocky to Red Deer. And that's finally where wheels got turning. And that's where I, get, I got to take a break. Because uh, uh, like the RCMP, it's a lovely relationship. Like you got... It's, unless you're willing to do the legwork of bullshit, it's almost not worth it. Uh, but if you... You have to do a lot of paperwork? You, you have to be the detective for a while. Okay. Like, let's put it that way. Um, so, like, unless you got solid proof, unless you got this and this and this and this, unless someone's shooting someone or someone's in the middle of stabbing somebody, there's not a fucking thing that they can do. There's, there, there's not. Mm-hmm. And, and push comes to shove, like, when a guy is beating on a fucking kid, Unless they seen it, there's not a damn thing they can do. How sad is that? Well, it's going to be an hour before you guys get here anyway, so I mean, uh, might as well, uh, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was kind of a gong show. Actually, they gave Derek more shit for uttering threats than, um, uh, uh, Ken there beating on his kid. How fuck's that? That sucks. So, um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, an interesting time. Let's put it that way. But luckily for Logan, um, to put the story to a close here, luckily for Logan, um, it ended sooner than later. Instead of giving him a dad number two for ten more years, that's just as bad. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, like, luckily, now that we've moved away from that and, like, we're here in town now, it's, uh, Way the fuck better. Everyone's happier. He's going to uh, way better schools. And actually, he had a class that I'm actually jealous that I wish I had. It was called the History of Rock and Roll. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was the I, he was telling me about this. I'm like, so um, can I join at all? Like, uh, <laughs> that, that, that is one. Yeah, exactly. That is one class I know for a fact I would fucking ace. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, and actually, like, I remember taking a lot of classes that were, like, uh, in psychology and sociology and things like that. And, um, I remember globalization for whatever reason. 
I, I don't know what the hell that was about, but uh, um, actually, like, I'm a little more familiar with that now, but... Uh, but the history of rock and roll, man, like, come on. Like, really? I'm glad they're teaching that in high school. Fine, like, well, this was elementary. I mean, all we it had was, like, it was, was like an option class, apparently. <laughs> um, but, like, really? for, for me, the only option class was, like, one option. Cooking. Not much of an option, but, uh... Honestly. <laughs> thanks. Uh, I, I can make, um, I can make amazing scrambled eggs, though. Hell yeah. Like, <laughs> like little bits of dill in there and everything else. Like okay. Right on. But, uh, but yeah, no, anyway, so... Um, no, I'm, I'm happy for him, like, he's way, like, he's way smarter than me when I was a kid. And I was a smart fucking kid, too. And I think it's just as smart as not smarter. So, no. He, he, so that, good. That, that guy's gonna go places, for sure. But, uh, anyway, so, I don't know if we want to close this out here now or later, but, uh... I think we're probably at a full time. I think, uh, you should probably wrap it up. We've kind of gone on a couple hours here just complaining and, uh... So, listeners, out. check us out so, at LBG's on the 23rd. It's coming up right away, and yeah, keep tuning in to Intense Reality, because we're working on some stuff. And who knows, there might be another band in this project. Follow Colton Shaw, he's got some cool shit. Here we go, follow Taylor Elliott, he's got some cool shit, so. It's good. Alright, well that's it. Anyway. The end. Finissimo. Phew. Awesome.